Hey, James, we got mail. Like physical mail. I didn't even know people did that yeah, anymore. Yeah, unless you're ordering singles. <laughs> oh, good point. So what is it? Well, it's a couple of things. Let's see. Uh, phone bill, internet bill, gas bill. Oh, happy holidays from our family to yours. Love the Markovs. Oh, those guys are weird. Do you remember the wedding? Oh, yeah. So many people dead. Just chuck it in the bin. Anything else? Mr. Alvarez, this is your final notice. If you do not pay back your loan for Magic the Gathering card, Volcanic Island, we will repossess your car. Yep, yep, you can bin that one. You probably should respond to that one, man. Oh, yeah, li- fine. listen to this. Um, Dear Get Commanded Podcast, I love you. I'm mm. watching you right now. Your secret admirer. Aw, fans. Put it in the pile. Let's not reply to that one. Okay, uh, last one. This one is from Ravnica. It's written on a bit of old cloth. It just says, Gruel the best, green good, blue suck. Is it dumb? I need a pen, some paper, and a stamp now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP Brought to you by the GCC, helping you to have better games with Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. I'm now it's stuck sticking. I'm saying that in every that's, episode. That's that's the new gonna, thing. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm gonna. It's my catchphrase. People have asked for it on shirts now, so I. Ah, uh, that's need, the merch. I that's, need. It's gonna be the merch. That's right? gotta be the first merch. Right? It's gotta be. Hello, Commander players. Uh, ask me about in my response. Turn, ask me about my turn one win. Ah, uh, that's gonna yeah. be up there. Yeah. Maybe surely like something raffle related. The ra- the raffle is split second. Yeah, maybe, in that's like... a good one. I also. <laughs> I think um, just I play is it uh, like, <laughs> uh, like I'm in the is it league and then I can sell those and then I've got a bunch of people walking around with I think honestly James, that's a religion I, uh, I no, to no, I, it's not a religion it's something different it's called a cult <laughs> <laughs> cult leader vibes oh, I can 100%. Uh, look if you remove Magic the Gathering from what we do banging on surfaces every week at our Tuesday it's, Commander it Night it does give off a little bit of cult vibes it's a bit culty alright before we go completely all in on this absurd <laughs> scenario we actually have an incoming transmission James they're back Aren't they? They're it's back. The Space Commanders. Mm-hmm. So it's from the deep depths of the galaxy, and it's time to get commanded. Know when to respond and when to wait. Mm, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. This episode, I I'm know. seeing the relevance of that as in you look down at because, my arm. <laughs> well, that and also the fact that we were responding, or you responded to that mail. To the mail I see. I, I see. I'm definitely a type of person that loves to respond, and I think that it's important to note very quickly at the top of this episode that this episode is definitely going to be mechanic focused. We're, we're, yes. we're this is very much quite intricate things it's talking about when and when when to respond and when to hold back yes and it's I, about cards mm, and the mechanics be... of the game as opposed to the most recent episodes which we really liked mm. but we're, we're more like about social contracts yeah and, and yeah. the way you play the game yeah. and the attitudes that you bring and yeah. that's really important but you know we also play the format Commander, and we play the game Magic the Gathering, so you know we, we got to think about the cards. And the whole point of this podcast, as well, is to be able to get better games and to enjoy our games more when we're yes. playing Commander. So this episode, we're we're going to be diving into the mechanics of it, and it's probably 
one of my f- favorite parts of magic so much so that yeah like we've mentioned on this podcast before i actually have in response tattooed on my arm and if you look really closely the two dots in the ellipses are blue are blue You've <laughs> james go. always has two blue up because he has it tattooed on his what's flesh? the scariest um, card in all of magic it's an untapped island. That's what it is. <laughs> so we probably should start by thinking about like exactly what is responding. Because it's, yeah. the, for, especially for like new players, it's probably something that they've not really thought of before. Most like, most like when you get introduced to magic, it's, you know, you cast this creature. It's three mana. It's a three, three. Yeah. Vigilance is a keyword that does this. Yeah. So the interaction of the game comes later and it's a little bit more of an advance. I also think it's, it's probably an avenue that a lot of new players can utilize to become a better player. I think it's like almost the most important thing. Cause mm. when I think of people who are brand new to magic, I think like, almost the main mistake they make is they have their turn and they're like, okay, I've got this six mana. I've got to use all this right now. When really advanced players sometimes look at their hand, look at the board state and go, pass the turn. I've got six mana. Everything I've got here. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And that's, that's, that's definitely what separates someone that knows exactly what they're planning and are prepared for things to a player that's playing a game of solitaire on their board stage and not thinking about their opponents. So Mm. that's when we're talking about responding, responding really, if you were to define it, is using your own resources to interact and interrupt or respond to what your opponents are doing. Right. It's always it's always reactive, not proactive, yeah. right? It's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there's something that's going on over there. I need to deal with it. Yeah. And right. or there's something on the stack that needs to be dealt with before it even hits the board. Right. We'll we'll definitely talk about counterspells <laughs> at some point in this podcast. The stack I'm sure it's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. But realistically, it like responding doesn't always have to be at instant speed, does right. it? Because it's, it's like it's the usual way that it would happen, but yeah. not always. It's just about stopping yeah. our opponents from doing what they want to do. Because right? obviously, the phrase "in response" is a way you, as a player, can say to the players at the table that. I've got something to do before that spell resolves and its effects happen. Right. But responding doesn't always have to be on the stack. No. You can actually do things on your turn. And, you know, it's it's definitely not always counter spells either. It's yeah. not always, you know, doing things like removal, for example, is a super common thing mm. when you're responding to a threat. Yeah. And to be honest, in I have the, the firm belief that if you don't have creature removal, player removal is also pretty good. <laughs> and so if you're responding to a threat, you removing can the threat player. kill the person yeah. who has the scary creature yeah. and that creature doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Magic's nice like that. Yeah, it's so much fun. <laughs> so I think that's a pretty like easy, definable way to get yeah, we're, through. We're yeah. stopping the opponents from doing progressing their game right yeah. it's like it's like saying okay yes i want to win but in to win i need to stop my opponents from winning right that's just like exactly. implicit in the way that the game that we play yes if my opponent wins i'm not winning so that's that just can't work i have to stop that in some way exactly but it doesn't have to be right away it doesn't have to be instant mm-hmm. it's just like saying I'm these are the ways to yeah. interact with you yeah exactly yeah. exactly well we're actually already to the bottom of a sheet of paper we can throw a piece of paper we're only like five minutes into this podcast we're doing it there we go hey it was a long skit i'm really glad no one was in the room for that one no as well, that was we? a that one like floated like a I know. Ninja star. It was, I, I didn't even fold it into a plane it was incredible <laughs> so now that we know exactly what responding is we probably need to think about what kind of cards we're going to be using and how basically thinking about our magic deck as a toolbox there's going to be tools that win us the game yeah but then there's also going to be tools that 
respond and right. fix certain problems. So, so, I'm so we're coming at this from a deck building perspective. Like we're starting very beginning. Yeah. I'm building my deck. How can I make sure that I have the cards in my deck that stop my opponents from yeah. winning? Because let's be real. You can build an entire commander deck with 100 cards and not have a single card in it that interacts with your opponent's board. And Easily. You, you could do that. And, it's, yeah. and honestly, sometimes if you're not an experienced deck builder, you might not want to keep a card that says destroy target creature or counter target spell because you've got another card that says you do this cool thing. Yeah. You're like, oh, why would I want to interact with someone else when... And I can do this amazing thing instead. Yeah. Why would I play, uh, you know, Cross and Grip when I could play Panharmonicon. Because that does so much that cool That does things. so many cool things. And it gets me excited. And when it pops off, it pops off and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But then that type of player is also probably really upset when someone casts Cross and Grip on their Panharmonicon. Right, because it's not something they're planning for. Exactly. Yeah. So so we probably need to think about like the different types of responses. And we've already said it, like the removal is a really great way of responding because right. let's let like like single target removal. single target removal yeah, like because this gets rid of this one card that my opponent has let's say you play something and i stand up and point down and go threat and then everyone looks at their hand and goes how can the cards in my hand deal with this so generally yeah. like single target removal is becoming way more popular in decks. right as, way a, as opposed popular. to mass removal like yeah. board wipes you know, Day of Judgment, tile effects that destroy yeah. lots of things, which still have their rightful place. Yes. But I think, I agree with you, I think increasingly people are leaning more towards um, single target removal. So it's things that deal with one thing at a time. I, I know the Command Zone, for instance, used to recommend, um, I think it was five bits of targeted removal and, and five, five board, board wipes. wipes. And I would say, and even they will admit these days, it's made I think they way... said it in an episode. Yeah, I think they yeah. said it recently. They, they redid their like template that they give to people when they mm. recommend building decks. And now I think it's like two to three board wipes and like eight to ten bits of targeted removal. So you can see a huge shift there yeah. in the way we're thinking about the things. The balance is definitely going towards more single target. And there's, there's a couple of reasons for this as well is because mechanically board wipes can a lot of the time hit your own stuff and yeah. if you sweep the board and start it's almost like saying all right we'll start the game again yeah and that can also i know we said we wouldn't talk a lot about social contracts but people are liking quicker commander games these days yeah so sure. single target removal does like this really nice thing mechanically where it hits the threat thing and keeps the game going and, and it leaves everything else as untouched, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it allows you to be untouched. It allows your opponents to be untouched. But that single threat that was on the board by that really horrible stacks player and is stacking everyone out, yeah. you've now got rid of that. Good yeah. job. Now the game can continue with the board state that you've got. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I definitely agree with you. And um, yeah, the, the, I think when I think about most games that I can remember that probably went a bit too long, I can normally remember three to four board wipes yeah. happening. And that's probably why they went longer than I might have liked them to. Yeah. <laughs> because every time someone got close to winning, rather than someone, yeah, say, removing that one creature mm -hmm. that's, like, threatening the table and then, like, winning yourself, someone board wipes and it's like, okay, like, I'm glad you got rid of that problem yeah. so we're going to lose, but now this game's going to go so much longer, right? Because we've 
all my creatures are gone, all your creatures are my gone. My commander costs 15 mana at yeah, this point. Exactly, <laughs> especially after all those board wipes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I've found that the single target removal is, like, something that's getting more popular and for good reason. Yeah. And I think that, um, like, I think defining single target is probably a good thing. Yes, said, like, I was destroy, actually just going to say. Destroying target creature, bouncing something is also single target removal agree as well. Yeah. Um, so, returning it a target to its ha- owner's hand, even... I might be a bit of a touchy subject and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Destroy target land. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like, still removing a single target, yeah. right? Basically, yeah. if your card says target, it's a single target. That's, yes. That's what we're and, saying. And in this case, we're saying single target removal. So yeah. a single target and it removes it in some way. So a counterspell yeah. is removing Targeting the before problem. Before it even hits the face. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. saying, I don't like this card, I'm removing it. It just happens to happen before it ever hits the table. Yeah. That's the way a counterspell works. And one thing I want to add as well before we move on as well is if you look at CDH and how the difference between CDH and casual is different, CDH decks run way more they than, do. than 10. Like Because yeah, we, we're recommending more. like 10... Targeted removal spells is pretty good in your a casual commander deck. Like anywhere from that, you know, near the high, the high powered end to the precon level, because even the precons run about like five to ten, depending on what. And they've been going up as well, from what I've been noticing. Yeah, yeah. it used to be like maybe you get a murder of the card, yeah. murder the one black black destroy target creature, yeah, and that'd be it. But now they're running multiple versions. Yeah. So like, I think that if you look at like CDH as an example, why are they running so many single targets? because they're efficient and they're effective and they get rid of the threat to allow you to win. Mm. So if you want to win, that's what you're going to do. And this is why my like my next point is that repeatable removal is always going to be best. Right. Stuff that we can use multiple times. Correct. Remove multiple things. Yeah. yeah so like sure. the obvious examples of like artifacts or creatures that tap to destroy a target permanent or do damage. Like, or you can pay a certain amount and then yeah. it removes it. Yeah. So there's a card, Prodigal Sorcerer. You know Prodigal Sorcerer? Ah, uh, the yep. tap Tim. to deal one damage target quit play. I think yeah. we've actually talked about this card specifically before. Yeah. I well, feel like we briefly mentioned You it, ready yeah. for my best piece of repeatable removal with that card? What? Give that thing Death Touch. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, one uh, damage that's, pinging that's, around the board. That's pretty juicy. And then make it even better. Get an untapper in there. Yeah. Seaborn Muse down. Destroy right. one thing a turn. We get it. You like Josh Lee quiet. Okay? I, do, I do. He's I... not going to have you on the podcast <laughs> if you keep talking about Tim, James. But it's I, not going to happen. I play Unwinding Clock. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that repeatable removal is also really commonly found in synergies with your deck. Yeah, so, totally. And, like, I'm thinking of, like, some really good examples. For example, you have, like, um, a Flicker deck, right? Yeah, my Reese deck. So, yeah. Reclamation Sage, Acidic Slime. Way better than Crosen Grip in that deck. Way better. So, so, for reference, all of these cards we've just mentioned, Acidic Slime, Reclamation Sage, and Crosen Grip. Well, Acidic Slime's slightly different, but they all yeah. say on them, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Yeah. The difference is two of those are creatures and one of those is a, is a instant. Yeah. So in a flicker deck where your whole strategy is about um, basically casting spells that exile the creature from the battlefield and then return it to the battlefield, what happens is that trigger of the entering the battlefield effect goes on the stack again. So like with Reclamation Sage... Mm-hmm. My Reclamation Sage in my Flicker deck is way better than Crosen Grip because, like... You use it multiple times again. Yeah, you know, sometimes three, four yeah. times. That's so much better than, you know, what in isolation probably is better as an instant, right? Because I can cast that any time. And especially, like, you look at Crosen Grip and we'll talk about, like, Split Second and stuff yeah, and how that's yeah. better. And Like, 
theoretically it should just be better, but because the deck is about mm. flickering, Reclamation Station and Acidic Slime are better. And uh, to be honest, I don't think I run any removal. I think I run like one spell, like an instant that removes in that deck and everything else is a creature because I'd way rather have something that I can flicker yeah. and deal with multiple threats than just cast my spell and say, that's it. And I've seen you like in, in a turn do that three times. Yeah. I've seen you acidic slime and I've, and I think acidic slime is permanent, isn't it? Can you put well, land? Well, I was just going to say it, it's yeah. not, it's not just like a permanent, but it's artifact enchantment or land. Or land. Yeah. I, I think I've seen you remove some pretty problematic, uh, lands utility lands. Before? With that. Yeah, I definitely have. But like, it, like let's look at another example. If you're playing infect or counters, Right. Running cards like Spread the Sickness or Wanderer's Strike. Now, basically, they're the exact same card. Um, they're a relatively high mana cost. I think they're four and a black and four and a white, respectively. Right. The black one says Destroy Target Creature. The white one says uh, Exile Target Creature. Right. But there's an extra line that says Proliferate. Oh, wow. So, if it just if that card does something towards your deck, it's maybe worth paying the extra mana because maybe someone's on 9 infect yeah. and there's a problematic creature on the table but there's another player with one infect left to go. Yeah. You can destroy the target threat sure. and proliferate yeah, and kill a player. For sure. Well, and like you know, we've talked before about how I'm a bit of a spike. and Yeah, yeah, be, yeah we have. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, my my when I'm building my decks, I actually do have... I don't have strict numbers anymore, but I have, like, goals that I have. And I do mm. have, you know, I aim for about 10 bits of targeted removal, about three board wipes and stuff. But the thing that you'll find, if you are only using cards that do one thing in each of those categories, mm. you run out of space in your deck for the stuff that you really want to do. Whereas... Even though it might feel slightly like you're paying a bit too much mana or doing like taking it's taking a bit longer to do that thing, if it's also doing another thing for your deck, you've kind of like if I have ten bits of targeted removal and let's say twenty bits of synergy, like that's what I'm saying to myself. I'm gonna have twenty cards of synergy and ten bits of targeted removal in my deck. If I'm running a card like that, it's actually they both go in both categories. It's both. So yeah. I'm like, I've got one card that's filling two roles in my deck. I I just freed up a space in yeah. my deck for another card. And now you can do that very Timmy thing of now I can play my big exciting yeah, stuff that exactly. I want that I really want to play. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. That the other thing people forget about targeted removal is yeah. like it's gonna let us get to that fun stuff. Yeah. More effectively. Like because yeah, if there's something that's stopping you from doing what your deck wants to do. Yeah. That's like last episode we mentioned a very sneaky two mana card called Dranith Magistrate. Oh. Which shall not be mentioned in this episode, henceforth. <laughs> we have moved past. I'm wiping it from but my memory. if you get rid of it, now your deck can do what it wants to do and you need yeah. to be able to remove it. So, like, sure. you know, thinking about, like, sacrifice decks, Bone Shards, brilliant oh, example, where you sacrifice yeah. a creature in order to cast it, but it's a really low CMC This spell. is almost like the opposite effect of what we just said, because, like, there are spells that are overcosted that, mm. like contribute synergy whereas this synergy lets us have an undercosted spell like bone shards if you sacrifice a creature one, i think it's one, one black, black one right black. one black mana yeah. to as a sorcery destroy target creature i, I think, think it's it creature is, or enchantment maybe maybe it's destroy target creature or planeswalker let me check with bone shards but it's i'm definitely pretty... destroy target creature yeah and like yeah if you're paying one black to destroy a creature that's just a phenomenal rate already um and yeah like if your deck wants to sacrifice things then um you know like a cost 
that you're paying there is actually helping you. Like, yeah. you're happy to pay that it cost. It says as an additional cost on the card, but realistically, in a sacrifice deck, you're like, sweet, I'll yeah. do that. I'd I'll love to put something in the bin because that's going to trigger my Bastion of Remembrance. Like, yeah, awesome. or like, I'm playing Meron. I'd much rather have this in my bin where I can play it again. Yeah, and especially, could you, like, think about with Meron, let's link two bits here, right? Right. Okay, think, think big brain here. You ready? Okay. We bone shards, a reclamation sage is the additional oh. cost. And then on the end step with Marin, we return Re- reclamation sage. Get and that pop into something. the battlefield effect again. Oh, wow. For, for what? We've paid One black four mana, mana altogether yeah. to cast Rex Sage and bone shards. But if we have the experience cannons in Marin, we've just removed three things. We've for removed a creature and two artifacts or enchantments for four mana. That's nuts. You, If that was printed on a card. It would yeah. be hundreds of dollars. People, imagine. Pay yeah. four mana, destroy a creature, creature an artifact, artifact and an enchantment. enchantment. Wild. Seems pretty good. Yeah. So, like, I think that, you know, repeatable removal like that yeah. is always going to be good. By the Definitely. way, Bone Shards is creature or planeswalker. You were right. Oh, there creature. you go. Yeah, cool. But there's another thing that I just wanted to touch on, because, like, repeatable stuff and effects... Planeswalkers can do that. And there are a couple of Planeswalkers yes. that can uptick or downtick. Uh, like, there's a couple, like, Gris the Hunger Tide downticks, you sacrifice something and kill something. Yes. Um, and then, like, uh, Garuk the Cursed Huntsman downticks and just destroys a tiger creature. Oh, yeah. But, I think I think there's a Vraska that does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. it's it, They're all, like, in the similar wheelhouse. Yeah. Now, we've talked about this off the podcast a couple of times. Planeswalkers and Commander. Side topic. Good or bad. Because oh, this is, this yeah. like, Planeswalkers are repeatable ways of removing things. Mm. But how good are they? I don't... I think mostly people play them too much. I Interesting. Think, look, in general, when you're playing Commander, like, a, a Planeswalker fills... The, the effect that it has in the game is so much less than in a 1v1 format, right? Because yeah. the, thing, the great thing about a Planeswalker in a 1v1 format is it's like... Here's this thing that if you don't attack it, I'm going to be incrementally gaining value. I'm going to outvalue you. I'm going to win. Yeah. And equally, now my life total is kind of safe, right? If you play the right Planeswalker, people are like, well, I have to kill that. Yeah. Which means I can't attack you anymore. So it like buys you time. There's so many roles it fills. Whereas in Commander, like I I think of every Planeswalker and I go, I have, have to assume that I'm using it once. Yeah. Because I think it, most times you play a Planeswalker with a few exceptions, like if you've built a deck around Because you've got three them, opponents. They're going to yeah, be able to swing They're going to attack you. it. So yeah. like, unless you have like a huge board, in which case you're already winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you kind of got to assume that most people are going to see a Planeswalker and go like, oh, okay, that is two turns away from ultimating and getting some crazy emblem I can't deal with. Yeah. I'm just going to kill it straight away because I can... I think uh, there's yeah. one Planeswalker it, that does removal and responds to things right. that I've run in one of my decks yeah. that I would recommend people run. And it's right. Teferi, Master of Time. Oh, well, yeah. It's, I mean, but this, like, this is yeah. the thing. Like, I feel like this is a Planeswalker a that cheats at being a Planeswalker. Yeah, like, true, because it The only downside, right, is, of a Planeswalker is that in a game of Commander, mm. you're, it's like a sorcery, right? Yeah. Like, you, you do it on your turn, then you and then you wait, and then usually it dies, right? Whereas Teferi, Master of Time is like... Like, hey, what are you going to do, kid? But it, 
this is this is what I'm saying. It's a viable way to remove things repeatedly True. because it's, it does have that negative that phases a creature out. It does, and it does phase it out. It's different to removing it permanently. But yeah. let's, for example, say it's a Voltron commander that's got lethal on you. Right, that yeah. saves your I've, bacon. I've seen it happen for yeah. sure. I've seen people phase out, and it's also like I mean, it's instant speed, so it's the perfect response in general. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can fish for a response, and right? Like you if, can draw a card, discard a card if you're trying to find your counter spell exactly. or whatever. So exactly. yeah, I think I think there's a few exceptions to the general rule. Um, I also think another thing to consider with planeswalkers is if they have a really good static, that can just be enough. Have you seen that new? I know this is a little off topic, but the new Tasha from the Baldur's Gate set. Oh, it's whenever maybe. you cast a spell that isn't yours, create a three-three demon. I just Whoa. got I just got a Yuleva deck. I'm not sure if you know. Oh no! Yeah, I'm oh, uh, regardless. That's be out of control. Super side tangent. Yeah, but I'm so excited for that. I was card. actually that's that's a, f- a phenomenal example. I was can thinking, be a commander as well. Actually, it's oh, got the cool. text. Oh, yeah. cool! Like nice, like that. Yep. Um, Elements is the other new yep. one that does the same thing. Um, which also has a passive that's really good. A static that's really maybe strong. it's something we're going to see more of in commanders. Yeah, or in yeah. I don't want to see. It- too often because it is so good but like yeah if you find it it can be so good in your deck I, I was thinking of um uh there's the oh my god i completely blanked on his name nickel bolus's brother ugin ugin eugene eugene as people call him <laughs> um ugin the ineffable i think is the one i'm thinking oh of. The, yeah the static ability is colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast bonkers crazy that in just an artifact because it's like meant to be like oh it's a colorless like maybe eldrazi deck and yeah. like, no if you're running that in an artifact deck you're casting stuff for free yeah like i've uh, emptied my hand with yeah. that card before i've just been like okay pay six mana for this then i cast these five spells for nothing <laughs> that's it, but i will say like that's a great static but also, you're happy to, on the turn it comes down, if you only get to downtick, you're happy because it destroys a permanent. Mm. You're just like, yeah, cool, sounds good. And the uptick is like basically draw a card. It's hard to explain, but you basically exile a top card. And when the creature it's a that. Really it... convoluted way of getting an extra card. I hand. just think of it as draw a card and make a token. That's <laughs> yeah. how I think about it. But yeah. like, th- there's you're happy with every effect that happens the turn yeah. it comes down. So yeah, like a lot of planeswalkers when the turn that they come down can down tick to remove something but you got to think to yourself like if this is all this does am Isn't i good. happy so, so for like, example if, like yeah. the rook the cursed huntsman is right. actually like i think it's 6 cmc oh wow and so that's a really, lot to pay. are you really going to spend 6 cmc to remove something in commander and expect yeah. it to die well like I, I think you need to seriously be like okay this is a 6 mana sorcery yeah yeah, a yeah 6 mana sorcery that says yeah say destroy target creature would you ever play that no, no. so unless you like have a really strong reason to do so or yeah again or if there's a static, static or it synergizes or there's a great uptick or something then yeah. maybe you can make it work but yeah all the planeswalkers i find myself playing are ones where i'm like yeah if this comes down and then down ticks and kills and dies and yeah. that's all i get out of it i'm happy then yeah whatever because i think the exception to this rule is obviously like if you're in a super friends deck yeah I it just breaks make, all the rules <laughs> i would make and again but that talks about like the synergy with your deck again right mm. like if you if the synergy with your deck is that planeswalkers are the best yeah removal on planeswalkers is a big win yeah it's exactly like, it's doing what your deck wants it, to do in that deck you don't want the instant speed like the instant responses and you don't want the creatures respond either like no. you, you just want yeah. planeswalkers because yeah. that's going to be way better for your deck way better yeah so like planeswalkers are one card that like are repeatable cards and there's a bunch of ways we can synergize cards to work with our deck to get repeatable removal yeah but i also think something that is really good on cards that respond and cards that interact with your opponents are cards that do multiple things like modal cards i'm talking like 
overload costs, oh. replicate costs, kicker costs. Modal yeah, yeah. DFCs are a really good example of oh, this. Oh, the ones that land on one side and then spell on the other. Exactly. Yeah. Or just split cards. Like, you know, um, you know, the cards that have like, you know, the Ravnica, the guilds of Ravnica and the Ravnica oh, Legion set. My favourite like, one of those by far is um, Wear and Tear. Wear and Tear. Yeah. That's cards amazing. Removal and responses in bags yeah. and spades and is like, really good. It's a similar kind of thing that I asked the Planeswalkers where I'm like, am I happy to do either of these things or both? And in yeah. the answer with wear and tear, I'm like, hell yeah. Like the yeah. three scenarios are, um, I think it's like pay one and a red, destroy an artifact, pay a white, destroy an enchantment or pay one red, white, destroy an artifact or enchantment. Every single one of those scenarios, I'm over the moon. Yes. I'm like sick. Because now I can deal with any of those threats that are yeah. on the forward in front of me. And it's instant speed, isn't it? It's instant speed. That's so good. It's so good. So good. So, so good. But like, there's a couple of examples that I kind of want to warn people about because especially if you're a new player, you might hear this podcast and you might think, oh, this card does the thing that James said. It does two things at once. Right. I should definitely run it. So like cards example of this are like Crushing Canopy, Crushing Vines. So they basically do the same thing. There are two and a green. One destroys a target... One destroys a target enchantment. One destroys a target artifact. But they also have another mode where you can destroy a target creature with flying. Ah. And... They always put these in draft sets. Yes, so that because green can handle. <laughs> what a great sideboard card yeah. in a draft. Yeah. But... In Commander. At best, it is a sideboard card yeah, in draft. It's not, it's not really what we want to be doing yeah. in Commander. It's the, the, the things that we're doing. Like, am I happy with either of those responses sometimes? But also there are going to be times where I draw that card where it does nothing. Yeah. Destroying a target enchantment for three mana is not, not bad. not too bad. But it's... when are you, like, realistically, how much of the time when you're like, hey, I need to remove that creature... How much of the time does it have flying? I would say, like, 20% of the time. Yeah, and you know it's just a way better alternative that just a card that does two things that destroys a target enchantment? What? Wilt. You can cycle it. You can just cycle oh, it. Oh, yeah. Destroys yeah. an artifact or enchantment or pay two colorless cycle, cycle it. it. Yeah, for sure. Because if it's a dead card, you can get it out of your hand and get a card that you need. Yeah, or even um, Return to Nature is similar. Yeah. One in a green, um, destroys an artifact or destroys an enchantment or exiles a card from a graveyard. Ooh. If, if that nice. card wasn't so cheap... I feel like people would play it more in a weird kind yeah, of way. I feel like it. because everyone's seen it, they're kind of like, yeah, I know what that does. That's fine. Yeah. But like, I feel like if that was printed on a, as a rare and we hadn't seen that card before, people would be like, man, this is nuts. Because yeah, it's, it's, like, it's really yeah. good. It does a lot of things. Yeah. It's a very modal card. So like, that's a really good example. But like, damn. And oh. I'm, I'm not just saying damn, but I mean the card damn. <laughs> like, damn so it. what, it's black, black. And you destroy a target creature, or you can overload it for... Is it two white? Two white, white. Two white, white. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, um, a, you know... It becomes Day of Judgment. Day of Judgment, yeah. yeah. So good. Uh, for people who don't know, by the way, overload, um, it's worded in a particular way. You yeah. replace each instance of target with each. each. Yeah. So I'll read the instead of saying terms. destroy target creature, uh, which is the if you play black black on dam instead you pay two white white and it says destroy each creature yeah so instead. the specific reminder text on the card is you may cast this card for its overloaded cost if you do change its text by replacing all instances of target with each yeah right so this is a really good example of a card that i was saying that it, it does two jobs yeah but it's versatile in your hand if you totally. need a board wipe so let's say the threat isn't 
one target creature. Let's say it's the Cranko player and they have... They have a million goblins. And you're like, oh my god, they need to go. Yeah. If you draw Dam, you're happy because you can blow up everything. It hits all your creatures, but you're safe, right? You're responding to the threat in the appropriate way. Yeah. But if the threat is... I don't know, let's say... Early Krenko. <laughs> Early Krenko, yeah. Krenko before, they've got a million goblins. Krenko turn two, and you've played two swamps, you're like, nap, boop, yep. gone, dealt Love with. Krenko, Krenko's gone. Exactly. Yeah, for so, sure. And like, another really great version of this, you're going to cringe when I say it, but Cyclonic Rift. Super good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously amazing. And know. like, in CDH, it's really good. I actually... I very, it's just good in Commander. It's just Every good level of Commander. Yeah. It's just amazing. But like, if you use it to just bounce... So Cyclonic Rift is one in a blue, return target creature to owner's hand, but then but it's it got an overload cost. It's six in a blue, I Six think. in a blue, yeah. correct. Yeah. Uh, don't even have to Google this card. Um, <laughs> no, and, we all know what it does. replaces and bounces everything that your yes. opponents control. It is huge. It's yes. massive. It's and also think, one-sided, which is just amazing. I also think it's not target creature, it's target, perm- uh, target non-land permanent. Yes. Yeah, oh, it is. Different. It's target non-land permanent and opponent controls mm-hmm. as well because it means that when you overload it, it says each non-land permanent your, your opponent's control. So it's not you. Yes. It's just So you keep everything and it's seven mana. It's an yeah. instant. Like it lets you, like I was saying before about players who draw a card past the turn. Yeah. You with the Cyclonic Rift, you can just wait all the way. Like you can wait for James's turn. You wait for Jordan's turn. You wait for Nick's turn. And then on the end of Nick's turn, you're like, I pay seven and none of you have a board state anymore. <laughs> Untap, have my turn. Yeah. And now I've got all the mana I need. It's And it's yeah. huge. But like it does... To, it also removes something, it right? Does, yeah. For one and a blue, if you only have to deal with one thing, you can. I will say, I've, I don't think... I've still yet to see a Cyclonic Rift use on only one thing, personally. Have I, you seen... Yeah, I think you should roll with some CDH pods because oh. it, I see it used as single target removal in CDH more than a board bounce. Right. And I think that actually says something about single target. Yeah. It says a lot that it's really valuable to bounce something. And these multi-use cards, cards that we can do. Yeah. yeah. Another really cool example of a multi use card that I've got and I've actually got a bit of a story about this one yeah it's casualties of war <laughs> have you ever oh, heard of this card oh is this the black and green one yeah I'm gonna bring the card up so uh, I read it exactly so it's yes. two black black green green for a sorcery so six mana sorcery six mana sorcery so it's quite a big thing yeah but when I say cards that do multiple things are good this is this is the level I that I'm talking I know about this one <laughs> choose one or more Destroy target artifact. Destroy target creature. Destroy target enchantment. Destroy target land. Destroy target planeswalker. Man, it does everything. If it you does are, absolutely everything. If you are ever in a pinch and you need to hit an enchantment, a land, or something, you do it. But the other great thing about this card that I really, really like is if if there is just one threat. Let's say it's a like someone's got, I don't know, a um, stasis down. Just, right. Yeah. I'm, Awful. I've been playing a lot of CDH recently. That's a threat. That's a, that's a threat that's coming like, to mind. I've never seen a stasis and I hope I never do. Yeah. Okay. So stasis is down. You're yeah. terrified. Yes. You draw casualties of war and you've got the man. Right. How happy are you that you can not only remove stasis, but everything else on that list? Yeah. Because it says one or more. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things about this card. There's other cards that need every single target to be hit before right. it, it's cast. Yeah. This can choose one or more. So if there's no Planeswalker to hit... You don't, don't choose Planeswalker. You don't choose Planeswalker. And yeah. you can hit everything else. You can hit, you can hit the next scariest creature, yeah. the next scariest artifact, the yeah. scariest land, whatever. This does everything. Yeah. I love this card. I will I say, like, I've seen this card a few times now in Commander games. And, like, I, to be honest, I didn't rate it super highly. The thing that I've realized about it is between your three opponents, you will always have a creature... 
mm-hmm. a land, an artifact, and an enchantment. Always. Like, always. you will never always, not always, have always. one. And, like, yeah, sometimes you'll blow up a mana rock as the artifact, which doesn't feel so good. But if it's a soul ring, If it's a good. soul ring, yeah, you're happy as hell. But, like, a lot of the time it's like, yeah, I'll get rid of this Rhystic study, um, that creature that has 20 counters on it, and um, your Azor's gateway that's about to flip. Like, you know, you can... Because you choose as many as you yeah, want, and then you and dust choose your which hands, ones, like, and you're like, "Yeah, I've dealt with everything." And when you think about it in terms of mana cost and a breakdown, six mana. If you were to cast three cards at two mana each that did the same thing, you'd feel better about it, right? Yeah. But, so, but you feel even better doing this. It's one card. It's one card. It does all those things you, in the same slot. If it's you had so seven good. cards in your hand and you cast Casualty of, of War, you've dealt with all those things. You've got six cards left mm. in your hand. Whereas if you had your Crossing Grip. And your bone shards and stuff. Yeah, they're great in their own particular way. But Casualties of War is going to be like, nah, screw that. You can have six cards in your hand instead of three after you've done all this stuff. Yeah. How good. So good. I I genuinely, I'm a huge believer in Casualties of War. Yeah. And there's a reason why that I love this card so much. And I'll I'll tell a little bit of a side story. And this actually goes back to when we were living together and we were playing on our kitchen table. Oh, okay. Um, I I wasn't, I don't think you were in this game from memory. But some, I I can't remember who played it. It might have been Luke. From the store play. Yeah. And I was really impressed because it dealt with a lot of threats. Yeah. I was playing my Scarab God deck at the time and I ran a card. I don't think it's in my Scarab God deck anymore, which is a real shame, but it's the Mnemonic Deluge. It's from the original Commander Legends set. Oh, do you know the card? card? I it's do like, know this It is card. a nine mana mythic sorcery spell. It also exiles itself on resolutions, which so you, means they know it's that like you a can't Khan's break it. Ring. Do not break this card. Wizards are saying, hey, stop it. Only yeah, once, only exactly. once. <laughs> only allowed to do this once on cast. But basically yeah. what it does, it gets us to instant or sorcery from someone else's bin. That's something else. It's got yes, to be an opponent's, an opponent's bin, bin. Which yeah. is, again, it, you can tell, like, the Wizards of the Coast research and development team was like, mm, if you put something specific in your bin, this is broken. <laughs> yeah. So you basically exile an instant or sorcery from someone else's bin and you copy it three times and cast all three copies without paying the mana cost. So how good do you think I felt oh. when I hit casualties of war and I destroyed three target creatures, three target enchantments, three target artifacts, three target oh. lands, and three target planeswalkers. Oh my god, I felt like god. James, I hate to break it to you. I was in that commander game. You, were- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was thinking of casualties of war when you were playing it earlier? Tell me about it earlier. So I was kind of like, oh... Man, I remember somehow someone one time against me oh, got like no. multiple copies of Casualties of War and it was so good. Man, it would feel so good to have multiple copies of Casualties of War. And then you're telling me that story and I was like, it was James. Of course James it was James did it to me. <laughs> I genuinely think Casualties of War is probably yeah. one of my favorite removal spells in all of magic. For sure. Actually, yeah, it's grown on me. It's grown on me. Yeah. For I, sure. ju- I just think it's good. It fills every slot. Yeah. And like, it, I think it's worth mentioning here as well. Like we're talking about targeted removal, but it... Like, I know we said single target removal before, but if we can remove multiple single targets, Good like, point. we're totally happy to do that. We're not talking about board wipes because we're not talking about that mass kind of mass removal, but, like, stuff that deals with two things or three things is great. Um, a card that I've been won over with completely now... Oh, no, I'm going to blank on it as well. It's the one... It's two and a black. It's an instant. Soul Shatter. Oh, yeah. Um, so each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest mana value among creatures they control. Gets around Hexproof. I love that. It's <laughs> so good. It's a three mana instant that always, in a commander game, if you've got a full ta- full pod, 
removes three creatures. And That's usually, nuts. usually, usually, the biggest threat at the table is usually a big mana creature that's yeah, doing like something Yeah, like, nine really times out of ten, yeah. that's the problem creature, is the big one. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, it's nuts. I've had a cast against me so many times where I'm starting to be like, okay, I, I need to stop playing this card. You know what's great as well? It's not too expensive. No, either. it's, it's not bad. It's actually reasonably priced I for think, such a good card. You know how I know it wasn't too expensive? When I was looking at picking some up, I was like, oh... Maybe I could splurge on some extended art frames. Oh, <laughs> that's how I know a card is cheap. Yeah. Is when I want to splurge on the expensive versions. Because people who don't know, I don't know how you would possibly not know this. I build like almost exclusively on a budget. Exclusively. So if Walt is thinking about splashing on some fancy <laughs> versions of a card, that card is dirt cheap. <laughs> and, and speaking of another dirt cheap char- card that yeah. is uh, that I want to mention before we move on, because one of our committee members, Jordan runs this anytime he's got black in his deck he'll run yep. it and I think it's I Hag- do the same Hagramalling yep. are you are you now on the Hagramalling bandwagon I think I've just... always been on the Hagramalling yeah. bandwagon I put in a few decks as a test and was like yes I was correct this card is nuts <laughs> so for those that don't know it's a removal spell single target destroys target, destroys target creature yeah but it's a modal dual faced card on the back of it it's a land yeah and it's like it's over costed I think there's a way in which it becomes murder. Like, I think if an opponent has no basic lands, I think it, it, it costs one black black. Not 95% of the time, you're going to be paying two black black, which, you know, is overcosted. But, like we were saying earlier, this card sits in multiple slots in your deck. Yes, it's your single target removal spell. It is also a land. So in that, you know, whatever threshold you're aiming for, I aim for like 36, 37 lands in my deck. Mm-hmm. That just became a land that removes something that is so good in your yeah. deck and you you were so close so it, it is two black black but it costs one less if an opponent controls no basic lands oh it's not i thought that's what i said is that uh, exactly what you maybe said? i said non-basic lands yeah, okay I'm not sure. yeah. no no basic no basic lands anyway right. the whole point of it is it tends to murder then yes and i don't think i've ever seen it properly have you seen it happen? one time really the other day i cast it and i was like oh my god and i almost like i, I wanted to because we was playing someone in the playing game all store. Lands or something so, <laughs> someone just had they were like playing like a five color deck and they just oh. played like a bunch of tap lands and like shocks go. and stuff and i was looking around the table and i was like oh, i wonder if this is gonna <gasps> oh my god i've done it <laughs> I've... I've just cast murder when it's a land <laughs> <laughs> i use the land to cast murder oh it's so good but like and again like it, it's one of those things that if you have no nothing else to do like with wilt you just cycle it away you play yeah. it as a land it's one yeah. of those great things it becomes so much better yeah. for sure yeah we could talk all day about how good these cards are oh my are. god but there's some um, yeah. something else that i think is really good when you think about cards that do multiple things it's cards that do completely different things but also remove oh so not necessarily respond. cards that like can remove in two different ways or remove two different things but like a card that can remove and do something else and do something so else sort of more like more like Hagramalling than like um, Casualties of War is what you're saying. Like. Yes, correct. So like, you know, there's cards that I'm thinking of here. Like I'm going to get Wax and Wayne up on my phone so you can, sure. so you can see it. Um, but basically it's a card that is split into two. So it does two different things. So one like, side... like wear and tear. So you can pay, you can cast one card or the other or both yes. when you cast a spell. But yeah. they do two completely different things. So right. what we're looking for here is the Wayne side. Now that's one white mana destroy target enchantment. Okay. Pretty good. This one, great rate. It's, it's yeah. instant speed, fantastic. Cool. We're happy. Yeah. Wax, the other side of it is one green mana and target creature gets plus two plus two to lend a turn. So it's not like a, it's not like a massive buff, but it's it just does something else, you know? Yeah. So like and, and there's gonna be times where 
that's going to be more important than removing something, right? Yes, 100%. So, for example, um, rep, I'm going to get this one up. The rep, rep du decate. Uh, re, re, repudiate? repudiate? Repudiate slash replicate. Yes, I've got it I noted think, here. I think these ones, by the way, you told me before, it, when they're the split cards, yep. the, the idea is it's supposed to be and, right? And. So, so it's like wax and wane yeah. and wear and tear. Yes. Yes. And cool. then there's like um, uh, rags and riches. But and it's two. Yeah. yeah. The aftermath one is the like rags to riches. And rags to riches is another, another good example. Yeah, but like cool. repudiate and replicate. The Rebuticate is hybrid simic, hybrid simic mana cost. Yeah. Instant counter target activated or triggered ability. Cool. Removal. Seems it's good. It's removing a threat as it's happening on the yep. stack. Sure. Replicate one green blue does something completely different. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. Whoa. Yeah, right? This is a simic card that counters an ability on the stack when it's threatening and responds to it. Or makes a token of a, a token of a, car, a creature you have. How? Whoa, that's going to be so good in Simic as well. You're always going to have some amazing creature that you want always. another copy of. That's and like, crazy. Yeah, when you use token decks. Now, there's one card that I want to go through here because I think it's really funny and I really wish it was legal. But it is the ultimate card that we're talking about here. The card that does everything. It's this. This. Well, you would have dreams about this card. Oh. Who? What? When? Where? And why? Unfortunately, it's silver-boarded, oh so my don't God. get excited. I did read this before when I was looking at the plan, and I was like, James, that's not a card. That's not a card, but it is absolutely a card of I've your dreams. I've never seen this. I'm going to show you what the card looks like. Oh, my... So, it's a split card, but it's split five, five ways. ways. So, it's split... In one frame, it's split... So, it's like a split a magic card up into four quarters. In one of those quarters, it's split up again oh, into eights. I hate looking at this. I'm it's not so lie. painful. So, like, for example, so the the who is... Uh, sorry. Yeah, the who is a white card. It's X and a white. Target player gains X life. So that's pretty good. Okay. Fits in white yeah. strategies. Seems good. The what is two and a red. Destroy target artifact. So it's just like... Okay. Yeah, red does that really well. Yeah, the fun. when is two and a blue. Counter target creature spell. That fits in okay. the blue strategy. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Where three and a black. Destroy target land. It's pretty decent. Okay. And the Y is one and a green. Destroy target enchantment. How can that card not be legal? That is a... Oh. I want that card. I don't have a single five-color deck. I want to build that as my commander. <laughs> That's your commander? <laughs> but every time you... It's two extra costs. Oh. How cool would that be? I mean, it would be pretty mean. It feels a bit like Child of Alara. Yeah, that's like a good Like, it's kind of like, hey, my deck is about... Not I hate you. you do stuff. I hate you so much. Yes, good point. <laughs> but like when I, when I was like thinking about cards to use as an example, I thought yeah. this was a really funny one. That is too. a pretty funny one. Yeah. I, I I like the silver boarded cards. I think they they actually they they they're obviously funny, but they're funny in a way that feels right for magic. Yeah. Where like like I've played against someone who was playing a commander that was silver boarded, and they were playing a deck full of silver boarded cards, and they said at the beginning they're like, "Hey, I'm playing the silver boarded deck." And I was like, without a, a split second thought, I said, "Yeah, do it. Let's see it." I really want awesome. to see this. Yeah, awesome. I, it was um, it was super Dr. rare too. Doctor Julius, I think, the oh. one that cares about creatures melding the, together. The, the yeah, weird, what's it called? I don't it think was, it's called meld. It's called like uh, uh, augmenting. Augment augmenting. I think oh, it's augment it's, because yeah. I, I remember Mark Rosewater in an interview actually admitted that that mechanic was the birthplace of mutate. 
Oh, because that's basic. Yeah, it's like really similar. Yeah, yeah so I cool. think that the Wizards of the Coast team definitely use those cards as like a way to test things out. Cool. And like they, we've clearly done split cards before, but Wizards, if you're listening, I want who, what, when, where, and why. I <laughs> make it command illegal. Yeah, make it command I illegal. Mean, I mean, I hate to call back to it, but the Rule Zero conversation, James. True. You can make it happen. That's great. I'd, I'd play against you who, what, when, but I'd, 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 I'd play against it. <laughs> So, okay, we've talked a lot about, like, targeted removal on sure. the board. yes. But there's there's an area of the board state that everyone forgets about. Sure. The graveyard. And the reason why uh, I'm mentioning it is because I've played against graveyard decks for a while because you played Marin. I did and play Marin for a long time. That was, like, my, my main deck that I mm, played when we used to play together on the kitchen table. Uh, yeah. It was definitely the baby deck at the table, for sure. It was yeah. loved and cared for. It was bottle-fed and tucked in every night. <laughs> um, but, like, I think that people forget that threats in the graveyard are still threats. They are. And they, they do need to be responded to. So, for example, we've, we, a couple of episodes ago, we mentioned Arami. Uh, your, mm, your Arami deck. If yes. you see Gary in the graveyard... That's got to go. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Sirens, lights, everything. That's, that's I a actually, threat. like, as a as a... <laughs> as a measure of politeness whenever gary hits my bin i actually like psa public service announcement i tell everyone sometimes people aren't looking well and i i feel like because people miss the graveyard it's almost kind of being like hey guys just so you know if you don't do anything I I'm going to win the turn, turn. <laughs> win next turn. Like it's going to happen. It's kind of yeah. like having, you know, like a card. If you had a card on your, your battlefield and you had a million other cards on there, but one of the cards said in your upkeep, if you have this condition, which you already have, you win the game. Don't you think as a measure of politeness, you tell someone, Hey, I'm going to win on my upkeep. <laughs> like, just so you know, you know, yeah. oh, like uh, Felida Sovereign, yeah. I think it's called. Or Rags to Riches. Yeah, like yeah. anything that says, you know, if you have a certain amount of life, you win the game. If no one's noticed it, it feels a bit rude. You just got to say it. Yeah. I just think it takes like a half a second. And like, it's the kind of thing where either someone noticed it or they didn't. And if they noticed it, they're going to be fine to hear it twice. And if they didn't, then if you don't tell them, they're going to be kind of like, oh, well, if I'd known about that, I would have gotten rid of it. And anyway, I, I, think, I, I, to I think we mentioned this in our communicating episode. As Probably well, we yeah. did, yeah. But like... Uh, it what, needs to go, is it what I'm saying. If I go, have Gary 100%. in my bid, in my so, Rami deck, someone should get rid of that. Yeah, and so running graveyard removal, I mean, Bajukabog, Tormod's Crypt, great examples, mm. but they're like big, boom, one-time kind of effects, you get rid of them all. Yeah. So maybe a couple of spells, maybe a couple of creatures that do it, like... Mm. Um, we mentioned Return to Nature, Exiles a card nature. from a graveyard, yep. yeah. Uh, there's the the ooze that you can pay to an exile card. I really want to try scavenging ooze. Scavenging ooze, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. I, I've, everyone who's played it has said it's way better than it looks. It's, it's it's one on a green. I think it's like a one one. But you pay a single green mana yeah. and an exile card from a graveyard. If it's a creature, you put a plus one counter on scavenge, and I think you gain a life as well. I, yeah, I I'm think pretty it's sure. Like that. Um, anyway, but like the main thing is you just at any time you pay one green mana and exile a card from a graveyard. And you know what's awesome about that as well is instant speed. Yeah, so you like can hold this, it up. Yeah, and like another really great card as an example for this that's also at instant speed: Noxious Revival. Now, oh, a lot of people... This is an interesting mm, way to remove from the graveyard. Do, a, do you want to explain what the card does Yeah, first? so Noxious Revival is one green Phyrexian mana. So it means so you, you can, can pay it with two life or a green mana. Yeah. It says return target card from a graveyard to the top of its owner's library. So a lot of people read this card and go, this is graveyard recursion. Yeah, I can, if I have my, that amazing mm -hmm. thing that I want in my bin, but I want to get it back before my turn... 
I pay my Phyrexian mana, my green mana, whatever. I put it on top of my library. I draw untap. I draw it for turn. I've got it back. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And it, honestly, you do use it like yeah. that a lot. And, and this fits in the conversation that we just had that it does two things. Yeah, because right? it, it can does, do that. Yeah. And it's not necessarily written on the card that it does two things. No. But you can use it in two ways. Got to read into it. So if you heard my emphasis on the word a graveyard, yeah. <laughs> you can target opponent's graveyards, which means... Let's oh, say, yeah. and this is, I love the fact that it's Phyrexian Manor as well, because you can bluff the fact that you've got it in your hand. Yeah. Let's say Walt's got Gary in the bin, and it goes round the turn, no one's had the ability to remove it, and I'm sat there going through the rest of the table, oh, sorry guys, I don't, I, I can't do it, can't do it, and I tap out on my turn. Lying, in other words. And <laughs> bluffing, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it sounds so much nicer if you say bluffing what? Okay, sure. <laughs> but then, you tap Arami and target Gary as the creature the to encore get Encore. The Encore creature, yep, so it has Encore. In response, Walt, oh, in response, okay. I'm going to pay two life yes. and cast Noxious Revival. James, you're a liar. And put... And put Gary on the top of your library. James, you lied to me. I did lie to you. <laughs> but not only did I lie to you, I responded to the threat perfectly You did, timed. you did. Like, I... Yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of people miss this about the card. Yes, it gets your thing back, and that's super handy. But yeah, if someone yeah. needs something specifically in their bin, then you can take it out. And I've seen I've seen a lot of CDH games. I don't play a lot of CDH myself, but I watch a lot of um, playing with power. Yeah, great on YouTube. Channel. Yeah, they they're super consistent. They upload great videos. Highly recommend. Um, and yeah, I've definitely seen people play their. Not just um, as a CDH. I've game. I've seen people play their Underworld Breach. Oh. And so like they're like, okay, I'm ready to do my thing, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware of super common win con brain Underworld freeze. Breach is brain freeze. Yeah. So it basically has storm. I won't go into the, how exactly how it works, but you basically mill your opponents out. Mm. Um, but what you have to have is you have to have the ability to recur, um, what's it called? Uh, I just remember just said the name of the card. Brain freeze. Brain freeze. Yeah. You've got to be able to recur, recur brain freeze from your bin and keep on doing it again and again. The only way you can do it is if you can cast it multiple times with Underworld Breach. I've seen people respond to Underworld Breach by Noxious re Revivaling um, Brain Freeze onto the top of their library. And then it's like, well... God, that feels good. How are you going to win now? Yeah, and now your Underworld Breach is only till end of turn. Yeah. So bye-bye. That's gone like, forever. Like, your shot. Yeah. yeah. I, I love this card. And like... I really love Noxious Revival as a graveyard interaction, but again, I am a huge fan of the cards that do two things, which is why I mentioned Noxious Revival. Sure. But another really good example is Never to Return, so Never Return as the aftermath. Right, yeah. You heard of the card? I've heard of it. I can't remember what it does. Never is basically murder, so it's right. one black black destroy target creature or planeswalker. Sure. Pretty good. Yeah. Now, Return is the aftermath, so you cast it from your graveyard and then exile it on a resolution. Yeah. It's exile the target card from a graveyard, and then you make a 2-2 two -two black zombie for three and a black. Oh, it's just pretty good. Interesting. So it's it's one card, but it does two removals. I also really like um, cards like this that imply a play pattern. I you kill it, then exile it. Yeah, and the card itself is called Never to Return. Yeah, exactly. It's it's ticking all my boxes. Yeah. Honestly, this it's, is it's, a theme card. Yeah, it's yeah. it's telling you this is what you should do, and when you do it, you're doing Never to Return. Ah, oh, it's great. You know it's what great. I just thought? I don't run this in Scarab God. Probably uh, should. I don't know. I feel like in Scarab God, you'd rather steal it. Oh, 100%. You can always steal it. Like, you don't get Oh, yeah, I don't, don't want to exile about... it from the bin. No. Yeah, no, you're so right. You're so right. There's a reason why I don't run that. Yeah, that's yeah. probably why. <laughs> All right. I feel like we've talked a lot about the targeted removal, the ways yeah. to remove stuff. I think we actually weirdly haven't really mentioned another really key way to remove stuff. We mentioned it briefly at the start, but, like, it is removal, and I think people forget it's removal sometimes, but it, 
fills another purpose, and that's counter spells. Because Ooh, baby. yes, you can you can deal with the thing before it even hits the hits the battlefield. But also importantly, like this doesn't just remove the thing that's already there. This removes the impending threat. Like, and I'm thinking specifically every deck that I have multiple counter spells in. I love when I'm so far ahead and I have this huge board state, and I go, okay, I'm just gonna leave two blue open, and all I'm gonna counter is a board wipe. Yeah. That's in my mind. I'm just like, I will leave anything else. If someone removes something on my board, I don't care. If someone does this to me, I don't care. I'm just gonna wait. And if someone casts a board wipe, I'm gonna counter it. And you, lets you lets you sleep easy yeah. at night. It, it's like sleeping with a baseball bat next to your bed. You know you're ready for the threat. <laughs> if someone walks in and tries to like mess you up, you're like, hmm, I got the bat. Yeah. Like it's it. And again, this ticks that box that I have of a card doing more than one thing. Right. A counter spell can get rid of a threat on an opponent's board but it can also protect the threat that is opposing a threat on your opponents that's on your board. Yeah. It does the two things, it right? It does do, it does the two things. The, there is something that, now look, I could very easily get to this segment of the podcast and freak out and tell everyone all the counter spells to play. Yes. But there's a little bit of a social bit that I do want to talk about with counter spells. Wow. I, this is growth from you, James. It is. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. This, is, this is character development. Thank you. Because counter spells... I've been told. <laughs> uh, not something that's really pleasant to play against. It's really frustrating when your deck isn't doing what it's doing, yeah. what it's meant to do, just because someone's like, nah, counter, counter, counter. And yeah. then, like, they justify it by going, it's a threatening card, of course I'm going to counter. And you're like, mm. yeah, but it's a threatening card that I want to see resolve. Like, yeah. So, when you're playing counter spells, everyone out there, I just want you to very quickly think, why are you playing the counter spells? Are you playing mm. it to protect your combo? Are you playing it as a one-off to maybe remove one threat? Or are you playing it as a way to interact with things that are on the stack or yeah. that kind of thing? Or are you just playing them because you want to control the board? Yeah. And I think this is, again, that conversation of casual versus competitive and all this mm. kind of stuff. But, like, yeah, a little bit of character development from me. Um, <laughs> nice. of think about why you're playing the character, yeah. the, the counter spell. I think, I think I definitely... There's decks where I throw in a couple of counter spells just because I'm like, I think this is a deck where I'm going to want to protect my board a lot. Yeah. So, like, my Sister A Shrines deck, I just, mm. like, threw an Arcane Denial in there because I was like, a lot of the time I'm going to tap out and have this just ridiculous board and everyone's going to want to blow it up. I probably do want to just occasionally counter a spell. So that happens, but, like, the decks where I run lots of them, it's because they fit the strategy really well. Yes. So, like, my Wizards deck, I, I actually have a couple of small counter spells, but these days I like the really big ones because my card... I, I imagine cards all the time. Basically, the, the commander... It's a good deck. It's great. It's great fun. The, the cards are taps to make the next instant or sorcery you cast cost X less to cast, where X is the number of wizards you control. So it's basically, Walt was like, I'm going to build is it spells, but I'm going to make it tribal and harder to do than <laughs> any other way possible. And not like James would build a deck at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. I would build is it is it very differently. It, but... It's also, funnily enough, I, I, I set out to build an is it spellslinger deck, and it's not a spellslinger deck. You just cast one big spell. You're not yeah, casting multiple spells. That's true. You just want to cast one big one. Anyway, the, what I'm going to say is that I, the counter spell I had my eyes set on very shortly after building the deck was, um, uh, it's justly wise. Sublime Epiphany. Sublime Epiphany. Ah, uh, ticking so more of my boxes about yep, doing multiple things. Also doing things. multiple things. So it's 
four blue blue. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get all this, right, and then right, you're gonna I'm check gonna, me. I'm gonna bring it up. All right, Hold we're on, gonna we're gonna test Walt's this. memory. But basically, the reason it's so good in the Kaza deck is you can tap Kaza, and you can turn this into the same cost as Counterspell, right? If you reduce the cost by four, you're paying blue blue, and I'm gonna spoil it. One of the modes is Counter Target Spell. That is one of the modes. Okay. All right, Walt. I've got the I've got the card up. Okay. You were correct on the mana cost for blue blue. Okay. It's it is an instant, instant spell. Okay. It counters a spell. I'm not going to get them in order. Just tell me they get them all. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Counters a spell. One of the modes... So you choose one or more. Yes, Counts. Counter target spell. Draw a card. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Create a token that's a copy of a creature you control. Is that all of them? You were missing one. Counter target activated a trigger oh, ability. Oh, yes. It, uh, that's, to be honest, it's because the one you almost never do. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're normally going to use it as a counter spell. And but... so, like, you rarely have a spell and an ability on the same stack at the same time. But you could do you the opposite could. and respond to an ability and then do all the other Correct. things as well. And look, this is a really good card. The other thing that you got slightly wrong, which I'm going to mention because I know that some of our community members, <coughs> Stella, will identify if we <laughs> misread a card singularly. We do, we do have some nitpickers out there, I'm yeah. to say. Target player draws a card. You oh. can get your you can make an opponent draw. Just saying, it's a very it's a political tool. Yeah, or if or they've got no cards left in the library, oh, just just get them over the edge. Of course, that's where your brain goes. Yeah, I love this card as well, really and I fun. think again, it's that synergy in your deck that makes yep. this card really good. And it's doing the multiple, it's the doing multiple, the multiple things, things, right? We did say bouncing something is a removal yep. thing. Countering a spell is removing something. Trigger, trigger ability is a removal thing. You could theoretically remove three things, right? You can bounce yep. something. Counter a spell, counter, counter an activated ability. God yeah. did feel amazing doing that. And re- it, you're always drawing a card, right? So it replaces itself. Yeah. It's so Card's good. amazing. Card's so amazing. when we're talking about responding, we've talked a lot about removal, but we've mentioned it in this section here because it's counter spell magic. Mm. But another part of counter spell magic is like protection magic. So yeah. it's responding to when people are trying to remove your stuff in responding mm. in a way that protects you. Yeah. So counter spells are a really obvious way of doing it, especially yeah. if you're playing combo decks. Count combo decks, I can that's where I actually recommend to the podcast listeners to actually go out and run counter spells because yeah, yeah you need them. You, you need, need them, them to you, if you've got a combo and you're going for that combo to win, if that's your win con you need to protect it. But yeah. I'm talking now other cards that protect you. And I'm going to reference one of our committee members and community members that's been a long-standing member. If I just say his name, you'll be able to say the card that I'm thinking of. You ready? Yeah. Nick. Settle the Wreckage. There you go. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Settle the Wreckage is an incredible protection spell. It destroys... Is, does it destroy? Exile. Exile. Far it's, out. So, I think it's, this is also another modal one. Oh, wait. No, I'm thinking of... I'm getting confused. No, Winds of Abandoned modal. Wind of Abandoned no, no, modal. Set, but another great the, example. Settle the Wreckage is two white, white... Exile all attacking creatures. For each creature exiled this way, its controller may search their library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Yeah, it it specifically targets the player. That's the bit you missed. Ah, okay. So if the target if the player has hexproof, it doesn't work. But ah, like sure. it still targets. But yes, yeah. two white white instant. Exiles all attacking creatures. They get a basic for each. Um, yeah. the, the most important thing is someone swings out at you with a million things yeah. and you're like, okay, they're all gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> and how amazing, and you've seen this because mm. you've done it and I've walked into the trap before, yeah. of you think you've got it and you think yeah. you've got it and Nick is sat there with four mana open with a smile on <laughs> oh, his face. I don't know how we walk into it so often anymore because we time, know he runs the car Every time. It's every <laughs> single white deck too. Oh. It's not just one. But and he plays thing. mostly white. I True, say. very good point. But like, he has the response 
ready. Yeah. And that is, that's a key thing. And if like, again, linking back to what the command, the space commanders were telling us, mm. he knows if he's looking at the board state, he knows that there's lethal on board or yeah, could be lethal. He knows this is when to respond. So he yeah, needs that mana. Yeah. I actually, when I'm building my decks, I know I'd mentioned like I have these numbers that I aim for and yeah, with target removal, it's roughly 10. I actually have a specific category that when I actually, for the Chris Kringle event that we ran, mm. I actually made a little deck building tutorial video because some people were really new to magic and stuff. Which and is still accessible to our community. It is actually, yeah. yeah. If you need it, I think it's on private, but I can shoot you a link or whatever yeah. you want it. It's okay. It's, it was very rushed, but it was like a reasonable guide, I thought. Yeah. Anyway, but like one of the things I tell people to do that some people messaged me and were like, oh, I've never thought about doing this before was I have a category that I set um, when I'm building a Moxfield, Nospozo Moxfield, just love them a lot. <laughs> um, Spike. That's, yeah. Uh, protection is the name that I use for it. Mm. And I just throw everything that protects my ability to win the game in this category. So yeah, like a lot of it is like, Counterspells. Um, counterspells go in there for sure. Um, I often run, if I have like a super creature heavy deck, I always have at least a couple of spells that are like, Target creature gains protection for the color of your choice until end of turn. Another modal double face card, Sajuri Refuge slash Sajuri Shelter. Yeah, really underplayed. Underplayed. Because that's one in a white, gives a creature protection for the color of your choice until end of turn. But the other side is a land, so like you never feel bad it's about that. It's always good. I'd run it in every white <laughs> yeah. deck. So good. Um, yeah, like anything that's like protecting my ability to win the game, I throw in there. So yeah, counter spells go in there. Those kind of spells that protect your creatures a go in there. A couple of cards that are really well known, like Heroic Protection. Heroic games. Intervention. Heroic yeah. Intervention. Uh, definitely goes in there to fairy's protection i know yeah. it's a pricey one that not everyone has access to but, but that's the ultimate the spell. Ultimate... that's just like you don't do anything <laughs> yeah one of my favorites is lazatep plating because uh, it creates a zombie in my scarab god deck there's also uh there's we're, a we're, really good yeah, game nights episode uh, go watch if you haven't seen it. i don't know exactly which one it is but jlk is playing uh the scarab the god scarab deck. god so if yeah. you just type in they're actually pretty good with their tags on youtube so yeah. if you just type in game nights uh scarab god i reckon it'd be the top result but I won't spoil it because it's a fantastic game, but yeah. there is a relevant time when a Lazatev plating is cast, and that card's amazing. It's really good. Once it's... I saw it happen in that episode, I was like, wow, this deck this is amazing. I and think... you instantly, you had a Scarab God deck, and you were like, I'm putting it in. I need that card. <laughs> I need that card. It makes a zombie as well. It's oh, so good. It's so good. Synergy. But, like, I think that, like, all those cards are really, really great. But there's another way that we can actually respond, and it's actually, we're going to go into a mini episode of a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, well... Communicating. Oh. Communicating is actually a way to respond in game right. that can help. So, like, uh, when I say communicating, it's like if someone's got a threat on board and that threat is only threatening to at least one player, you can remove that threat from you by making a deal with that player to get that threat going somewhere else. Right. Let's say it's a Voltron Commander. A really easy example. It's yeah, got lethal yeah. on So, so uh, let's say um, Nick has a Voltron Commander. Yep. Um, it's, it's got lethal it's, on everyone at the yeah, table. But it's, let's say for the sake of example, Nick's attacking me with this Voltron commander. Yeah. It's coming at me. Um, I can't block it. I'm going to die if yeah. this Voltron commander gets through. So you're saying, I guess there's a couple ways we can go here. Mm. Like as the player who's being attacked, I can be like, Hey, I will owe you big time, James. If you remove this Voltron commander, that's like definitely an avenue you can go. Get, but, getting a deal out of it. But like you can respond, right? You yes. could be like, Hey, well, if I get rid of this, 
Want to be friends? <laughs> There's also another scenario that I love as well. Is yeah. when someone says moving to combat, you go, wait, wait, wait. Let's have a chat. Let's have a chat Let's before you chat. declare attacks. So before you declare attacks, nice. I've got a removal spell in my hand. If you swing that at me, it's gone. Yeah. So instead, and this is the other thing, that removal spell now does two things. It sends the creature at an opponent, gets rid of an opponent, and removes it later when you need it. You didn't even need oh, to cast the card to yeah. be able to remove it from you. So, like, yeah, let's say Nick sw- Nick's about to go to combat, and we're the two players left. I go, ah, that Nick, now, look, buddy, pal, friend, don't swing at me, swing at Walt, and you'll get the satisfaction of eliminating Walt, because I have a card in here, in my hand, and something that our judge actually mentioned recently, Ellie, there's no rule in Magic the Gathering anywhere in the huge document 500 plus rules that says you cannot reveal a card from your hand. Interesting. If, if you really, really want to, in a game of Magic the Gathering, there is actually no rule against it. You can just turn a Swords to Plowshares around and be like, I've got removal in my hand. Here wow. it is. Oh, I've like, I've definitely implied it. I've mm. never gone so far as showing it, but like, you totally can. There's no rule against it. Yeah. If so, people are calling you a bluff, maybe just show them the card. It's like, no, you're bluffing. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> like, Look at that. Mauling, right here. Got yeah. it right in my hand. Yeah. So like, there you go. You've got this example of like, I'm now using this card in multiple ways because mm. I'm sending the thread at Walt and I can remove it later on yeah. in the game. Yeah. I, I want to actually take a moment here to throw back to what... We've mentioned it a couple of times, but I kind of think of it almost as like our vision with this podcast, right? Mm. Which is that we want people to have more fun games of Commander. and Well, we want people to have better games of Commander, yes, right? which includes and having that, more fun. Well, within that, I feel like we normally break it down to two categories, which is we want people to have more fun and we want people to play better, right? Yep. And I want to use this as an example of a time where, because I think this happens all the time in Commander, you can do both. And yeah. the example I'm going to give is that threat of that card, right? Okay, let's put the spike lens on right oh, now. Okay. So through the spike lens... Walt, by the way, has just like rolled up his sleeves and like... <laughs> I have not. pulled his shoulders back and puffed <laughs> his chest out. He's opening Moxfield oh right now, everybody. God. It's intimidating. Stop it. <laughs> anyway, like the spike in me is like, I am, by threatening to use this card, I can use this card and keep this card in my hand, right? <laughs> and the spike in me is like, I didn't even have to cast my swords to plowshares. So I still have it. I can still use it How later. How efficient is that? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ultimate efficiency. Yeah. But then, yeah, like if you put on the, you know, more fun aspects of Commander, we're going like, oh, like, you know, if I threaten this, if I do the, the deal I was striking earlier with you, right? Of being like, oh, you know, if you remove this for me, I'll owe you big time. Mm. I'm also letting that player have a longer game, right? I'm letting that, yeah. p- that player make more game actions and, and do more things It's going to be a deck. fun game. It's going to be a more fun game, right? And so I think, yeah, look, there's so many opportunities in Commander where we can have fun by playing better. And yeah. I think this is a really good example for sure. It's communicating it. and spe- specifically about around removal. Like, we can do it. And using that spike lens of mana efficiency is a brilliant segue. Now we've talked, because we've gone through a big, this has been a big page. We've we've gone through a long, and we're already an hour deep into this episode, and we're Mm. probably going to go for a little bit longer. But, like, I just want to very quickly mention that CMC, the spike in you has already said it. Mm. Generally, the lower the the CMC of the removal spell or interaction, the better. Definitely. Because especially if you're doing it on your turn, you're going to want to interact with your own board and progress your own board. Yeah. Which brings me to my next point. Mm. Don't be the guy at the table that fills their deck with removal, and does nothing but interact with their opponents all mm. game, and makes the game go for a million years, but doesn't have a win con. Yeah. 
Yep, I've seen it before. I actually, I was playing a game just the other day, and um, it's funny, we ha- kind of had to call back to the last episode, we're talking about Rural Infinity. Yeah. The episode hadn't come out yet, but uh, basically in that episode, we, we, we talked about how, the, the post-game conversation, right? Yeah. And we kind of had one, I think because I was already thinking about recording this podcast, yeah, I kind of okay. had one the other day after a game, because there was a player who um, uh, j- kind of just did that. They, they just sort of had all these answers for everything. They had a lot of, like, silver bullet kind of cards of, like... Yeah, hoses one deck. Yeah, yeah. like, not rest in peace, but cards like rest in yep. peace that kind of say, you know, this specific deck can't play the game. And we got to the end, and um, he lost, this player. And, um, yeah, we were kind of having the chat after the game, and I was like, man, yeah, like, it always felt like you had the response, but I also felt like you weren't even that close to the to the win. I sort of said it in a slightly more polite way than yeah. that. But he was kind of like, yeah, actually, I kind of noticed that. And I was sort of like, you know, after playing a lot of Commander, it's great being able to stop your opponents from doing stuff, but if you're not progressing your game state, you're you're going to run out of cards, yeah, right? Exactly. And this is why, again, that I love repeatable removal mm. and I love cards that do multiple things, especially and when they synergize with Synergizing. I was just yeah. going to say, the synergy is really where we want to be, especially, yeah. Especially with removal. So after that incredibly long conversation, let's yeah. throw this sheet. Oh my god, head. this sheet! The first sheet took us Ooh. like five minutes. That was uh, an hour and five minutes. Oh, oh. What a what an effort! That, there wow, it that goes. went all the way to the other side of the room. There we go. Impressive. Beautiful. So now that we've got the tools, yes, and now we've that built we the know, deck, we've, we've got, got the removal things. in there. Like we've planned ahead. It's all ready to go. Let's talk about some of the instances and the situations that we actually are going to need to respond. Sure. So one of my favorite places to play Magic the Gathering is on the stack. Right. And one of my favorite phrases to say in Magic the Gathering is in response. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the stack and let's talk a little bit about when to respond on the stack and more specifically priority and a bunch of other things but first of all i want to say when you're responding most of the time it is actually on the stack someone's activating Mm. a threat well actually technically everything enters the stack at some point so technically everything's on the stack but usually it's when someone's about to move phases it's when a card is cast or when an Mm. ability is activated yeah it's usually going to be in response i do this by removing a creature or countering the spell, bouncing something, activating something on my board that allows me to get a low value, yep. something yep. like that. Now, a lot of the time, it resp- it ends up in, all right, in response to that, I'll do this. Oh, yes. well, in response to that, yes. I'll do this. And it's a fight <laughs> to whoever gets their response to resolve first. Sure. I think that that's a really uh, interesting point to raise when we talk about the stack because you need to think about your responses before you play them because it's likely that someone is also going to have a response. Yeah. So my my first piece of advice really for players that are playing on the stack is take your time. Mm. There's a really easy way to, to do this yep. and simply raise your hand and go, oh, hold on, and indicate that you're thinking about doing something before an ability or a spell or something ah, resolves. Okay, so this yeah. is... I, I guess we do often say in response, but I think saying in response feels a little bit more like saying I have a response. Mm. And whereas, I'm actively going to do something. Yeah. Whereas I can see now that if we're just raising our hand, it looks a bit more like thinking. And so like, yeah, a lot of people are probably going to be like, oh, he's probably got a response here. But equally, we're just sort of saying, hey, give me a sec. Yeah. You know? And the reason why you might want to think about those that like think about when you're responding is okay they're casting this creature i've got a counter spell in my hand should i counter this 
Or if they got more mana, are they going to do something else on their turn? I've only mm. got one counter spell. Sure. So is this the threat or is it yeah. something else that's coming? Well, also, like, I think a lot of the time really experienced players know when someone's likely to have a response. Like, I know I've played against you a bunch. Mm. I know most of the time when you're likely to have a counter spell, just based on playing against you a lot of times. Body language, usually I'm sat yeah. back in my chair. James is good to go. He's got a counter spell. Yeah. But, um... I, if I'm playing against you and I know you've got a counter spell, I'm normally going to play my least threatening thing first. Ah, Because I know it's the most likely... Well, it's just about information, right? Yeah. You haven't seen my best thing yet. So you don't know if this is the big thing or if the big thing's still to come. So by playing this first, just on the off chance you counter spell that, I get to resolve my next thing for free, right? Always, yep. yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that the other thing that is about, like, when you say, oh, hold on, and you do the, the thinking bit, mm. it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the, the you know, the removal spell when there's someone's got lethal on you. Sure. You're actually doing two things here. If you say, oh, hold on, sometimes revealing or semi-revealing the fact that you have a response makes players tiptoe. I completely agree. I, I think I've definitely seen a few times someone says, okay, I'm going to combat. And they're like in the process of grabbing a bunch of creatures to turn them sideways. Yeah. And then I say, oh, just wait a sec. And they go, oh, okay. And they quickly like take their hand off a bunch of creatures. Because they don't want to commit to swinging. <laughs> yes, because yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, okay. Now that I know that he might have response. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to swing these this... three creatures. Because I'm willing to lose them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so like, yeah, just by just by holding them up, you can get people to kind of be like, oh, actually. Timid. Not only does that player become timid, everyone else does remember it's you've got yeah. three opponents yeah so like if if you go oh yeah hold on before combat am i mm, okay no that's fine you can go to combat yeah and then the next player in line to go is going should i be worried about combat yeah. like what is what got for sure and like again this is why instant speed is so good when it comes to responding like yeah. instant speed is phenomenal you know mm. what's even better than instant speed what split second Oh, we've actually mentioned Croson Grip a few times here. Yes. So it's an instant for two and a green, destroys target artifact or enchantment, and it has split second. So are you, I'm assuming you're going to find a card here so we can yeah. read the actual rule so of the split second. Split second, split second in, as reminder text, it says, yep. as long as this spell is on the stack, players can't cast spells or activate abilities that aren't minor abilities. So, so in other words, you can't do anything. Like it says yeah. that aren't minor abilities, oh, there's one... You can tap a land. No, there's actually one ridiculous example here that I realized the other day. It was like a, I was like lying in bed. I was about to go to sleep and I was like, <gasps> and that was a magic thought. And I was like, what a loser I am. <laughs> Thinking about magic in the middle of the night. Um, uh, oh, what's the, what's her name? Selvala. The Selvala that has oh parlay. Oh my God. You can parlay in response to split second. It's a mana ability. Oh my God. Because it can, there's like, there's a few other ways that this ability is stupid, but basically because it has... I, I, it I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna butcher this, but like because it yeah. can add mana when you reveal, it's considered a mana ability, and so because of the wording is but second, <laughs> weirdly, it's like the one exception you can someone can cast that because normally you can't activate abilities of creatures, you can't That's activate so anything. So weird. So weirdly, I, I'm, I please, if anyone finds out this is not the case, correct me if I'm wrong because it's just like a random shower thought I had, but I'm pretty sure you can activate Silvala in response to a split second ability because it is a mana ability. I could, I I could say Ellie, our community judge, will, yes. will verify this on, on the podcast episode and we'll put a comment or something somewhere. Yeah, I might but, ask her specifically. <laughs> but what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to challenge one of our community members that's already called us out on a mistake. Oh, Stella, if you're listening, I, I, I'd like you to do the research for this one. <laughs> 
So Sally like, probably already knows. Probably, she's <laughs> probably sat there right now going, they're wrong. They're, they're wrong. wrong. <laughs> oh, I hate now, it. <laughs> the reason why Split Second is so good mm. is because it uh, it means your opponents can't respond to what you're doing. I get to speed. respond. You don't get to respond. Yes. Yeah. So Cross and Grip is like if they're about to do something with an artifact or something and you remove it with Split Second, there's this weird, awkward moment when a Split Second spell is put on the stack where the opponent goes, can I do anything about this? And then they go, no, because it's got split second. And yeah. they just give up and they go, oh, yeah, there's removed. It's I've gone. also a couple of times seen someone say, in response, and then often someone else goes, no, 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 you can't. Split second. <laughs> and this is why I always joke when we have our raffle in store, I always say it's got split second. Yes. Because I always want everyone to come up. Yeah. But there's a really amazing card with split second that I think is a beautiful response card. Sure. It's called Sudden Spoiling. Oh, uh, I think I know this one, but can you read it to so me anyway? One yeah. black, black for an instant with split second. Yeah. Until end of turn, creatures target play controls loses all abilities and have base power toughness zero two oh, how I've, many problems does that solve oh, that single so card many i've i have definitely been blown out by this card at least once because you're kind of like oh that's fine my creatures are oh no oh twos oh no no oh no 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 they do nothing no, they do they nothing, do nothing. No. they absolutely nothing like it gets around <laughs> cards that like have like so for, say for example like you know, when something enters the battlefield, this happens on a creature. Or when a creature dies. Like, let's say someone's got a blood artist and they're about to sack their entire board. And so they cast something like a sack outlet, like a Phyrexian altar. Or a board wipe. Or a board wipe and it's about to pop and you're about to be drained for hundreds. Yeah. Just give it no abilities. Done. Let's say someone's got a hundred goblins. They're all one ones, but now they're zero twos. (laughs) Now they don't do any damage. (laughs) Suck it. Oh my god. How good is that card? Yeah, I've definitely definitely heard a few people say that they think that card is slept on. I think a similar card that doesn't have split second, but similar sort of effect is um, Dress Down. I know, oh, I know so one good. specific member of our community who swears by David. this card, David. Yeah, David loves and it. I've been caught out by it with Dockside Extortionist yeah. because, oh, boy, totally. does that hurt. Yeah. So Dockside Extortionist, um, one and a red. When it ends the battlefield, create a number of treasure tokens equal to the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponent controls, but... Opponent's control. And opponent's control. So it's usually, you know, between 5 and 15, I would say. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. more. Yeah, it's pretty good. It gets yeah. Niv-Mizzet out very quickly. Yeah. It's always more than 2 is the main thing. Yeah. You're always gaining mana. Yeah, but here's the thing. Dress Down, that card, is a flash enchantment. Yeah, it says creatures lose all abilities, I think. Or just creatures target player controls lose all abilities? I think it's... uh, Yeah, something like that. It's an enchantment, but it's sacrificed on end step. I I think when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. I think it says... I think it's just creatures lose all abilities until end of turn. Yeah, so basically what happens is when... Oh, sorry, sorry. It doesn't doesn't say until end of turn because it's an enchantment that will sack in the end step. So I think it just says creatures have no abilities. Creatures lose all abilities. Creatures lose so all close. abilities. So okay. it's one and a blue for an enchantment with flash. Again, instant speed. We yep. love it. When dress down enters the battlefield, draw a card. Awesome. Yep. Great. Creatures lose all abilities. Yeah. Boom. At the beginning of Encept, sacrifice it. Yep. So it's a one-off. It's like a response. It's actually weirdly similar to sudden spoiling. It is, but it's it's in phenomenal because it said creatures lose all abilities. Mm. So it's like one of these things of even though Dockside's entering the battlefield, it doesn't have an enter the battlefield effect no, because it just lost doesn't it. have lost it. the ability. Yeah. Such a good card. Crazy. Yeah. No, Split Second's great. Sorry, I, I kind of threw us off the yeah. off the deep end for a second there. But yeah, Split Second is, is so good. I've, I've definitely been blown out by thinking like, oh, you know, someone's going to remove this, but I'll always get to respond. Like, I, def- I think I've been... Crosen gripped on my Aetherflux Reservoir before, and that mm. feels pretty bad. Because if you've got Aetherflux Reservoir down and you're at like 100 life, you're like, look, no matter what, 
So if someone tries to get rid of me, I'm just going to hit them with 50 life. But you can't respond to Crossing nope. Group by activating it, nope, can you? you can't. Oh, feels good. Feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> Says the person that's getting their thing removed. Yeah. Says the person that's removing it. Ugh. I think something else to think about when we're talking about on the stack as well mm. is priority. So yeah. the, the where you sit in turn rotation is actually really important to note because mm. so especially when you get to higher powered games, like definitely in CDH, but even at the higher powered tables um, at the local game store, even at your kitchen table when you're playing high powered decks, letting people have the chance to respond is really important because mm. higher powered decks generally run more removal and mm. responses. I, get, I think we should just briefly mention... Because I, I have actually had people in our community ask me this before, just at least vaguely how priority works. Mm. So basically, the person whose turn it is is considered what's called the active player. So in their main phases, they nobody gets priority except the active player. They're, it's their turn, they get to do their thing. Whenever pretty much anything happens in the game, triggered ability, creature ends the battlefield, like anything happens, a, ca- a spell moving is cast. Phase. Yeah, moving phase and moving to combat, which is why we said a couple mm-hmm. of times in this, in this podcast, in response, someone says, I'm moving to combat, someone says, in response. Mm-hmm. That's another time you get priority. What happens is, and it's really important in a commander game, the, uh, in the direction of turn order, so it's normally clockwise, right? Clockwise, in commander. Yeah. Unless you play that weird silver body card that reverses everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess some people might just play anti-clockwise, but generally yeah. it's clockwise. Maybe it's different in the Northern Hemisphere. Anyway, what happens is you something happens in the game, right? Mm. The active player does something, you move phases, whatever. Yep. Um, it, it moves through turn order and basically every person gets the chance to say... That's okay if that happens. Or pa- yeah, pass or, priority. Yeah, you pass priority is what you'd normally say, or you would say in response, which is why the the shorthand of saying it is my priority and so I'm taking this action is to say in response because the thing has happened and the t- the priority is passed to you mm-hmm. and it's your priority and you say in response I'm going to do this. But as you're saying, turn order, right? So if we're at a pod, right? So I'm the active player. Yep. Um, you're in this pod as well. Uh, we also have Nick and we have Ellie. Yep. So it's my turn. After The turn order is, goes me, goes Nick, goes Ellie, and then it goes you. Yeah, so I'm the last person that has the ability to respond to things that you do. Right, if I cast a spell, the first thing that happens is the game basically of magic says to Nick, hey, are you okay with this? Do you have anything to do before this result? Yeah, and yep. Nick Nick says, that yeah, no, I'm going to do this thing, or he says, yeah, that's fine. It passes to Ellie. Ellie says, I'm going to do this thing, or no, that's fine. Yeah. And then it passes to James. So I think what you're alluding to is is that if you are you, James, in this scenario, mm-hmm. you have the very special position on my turn yes. of having the opportunity to wait to see if Nick does something or if Ellie does something yeah. before you decide to do something. You're absolutely bang on. And this is like being a player that loves control magic and counter spells and especially a player like I do play at high powered tables so we generally at high powered tables and especially CDH tables generally go through responses around the table yeah it's quite important at that level so you'd be like alright I'm going to cast Dockside Extortionist Nick Ellie James cool Dockside resolves so that's generally the courtesy when you're at high powered tables now there's a really interesting little way you can actually kind of use the turn order and response priority right. to your advantage. Yeah. 
lying, bluffing. I, <laughs> I hate to bring it up again, but... The recurring theme of this episode is that James is a liar. <laughs> it's made me feel really bad, so oh, I'm no. using the word bluffing to okay, make it bluffing. sound better. Yeah, sure. So, bluffing, so yeah. for example, I have a counterspell in my hand, mm-hmm. but you play Dockside Extortion. I play Dockside Extortion. It's on my it's, turn. It's going to go nuts, and yep. it's going to it's gonna give you... The, I'm going to get 15 treasures. Yes. Yeah. So it goes on the stack, and it's not resolved yet. The table goes... Oh no, can anyone deal with this? Yes. I might say, oh, Nick, can you deal with this? You've got priority. Deal with this now. This is a bad thing. Can you deal with it? So Nick now looks at his hand and goes, oh, I do have a counter spell. I was going to save this for later, but... But James is right. <laughs> I should really use this now. I have priority now. And it's right. it's like this weird thing of like, if even though I have a response, I've made Nick use his response uh, so I can keep my card in my hand. Card, yeah. I kind of... You, what you do is you... Uh, as a tip for all you bluffers out there, light a fire underneath your opponent's <laughs> bum just to get them uncomfortable and go, oh, I really need to respond to this. I think, yeah, there's there's a couple of other ways you can abuse the priority thing, but I mm. think the priority and all that is, is there's a whole other conversation to be had. There is, there yeah. is. And um, yes, I think we could talk about that forever, yeah. to be honest, if we wanted to. But look, I, I do want to bring us back to um, the second part of the command from mm. the, the Space Commanders, our good friends of Space Commanders, which is, they said, know when to respond and when to wait. Yeah. So, yes, we're going to want to respond to things all the time. And, yes, we're going to want to stop our opponents and progress our boards and have mm-hmm. instant responses, this kind of thing. But we also, we've sort of mentioned it a few times, but we're not always going to want to respond. You've kind of just talked about this now. But yeah. if you can find ways of not responding, sometimes that's better so you can wait. Yes. And like, and we've, we've already mentioned a couple of things uh, in this kind of bracket that we we can kind of talk about. So, like... Responding to bait cards, for example. Mm. Should you respond to the thing that's on the stack now, or is this just a a, 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 dip a dipping a toe in the water for your opponent to see if anyone's got a response, mm. to bait it out of you? Yeah. Do you wait then? Another example is like, you know, like realistically, what you should be doing is paying strong attention to your opponent's board states. Yes. That's a really, really important thing for this. Sure. Are there combo pieces on the table? How much damage have they got on board? Like, should you use your resources now to respond? Or should you wait and respond at instant speed when it's really threatening or really mm. threatening? Or should you advance your own board state? Right. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's the key thing when you're thinking about when to hold back and when to advance mm. is you need to be aware of what your opponents are doing. Yeah, I think this is definitely a clear thing that um, I would say beginner players are not quite so good at. And I, you know, I'm still reasonably new to magic and I could still get better at it, but I definitely remember a time when I was worse at it. And it's that you, you're you just kind of looking at the cards that are being played. Mm. Like you see someone tap out for Phyrexian Triniform. Yeah. And you're like, man, that's a 9-9. It's going to die. It's going to make a bunch of 3-3s. That card's nuts. I have to do something about this. But what I think you're missing if you're a beginner player is like, oh, my board is huge, for instance. Yeah. I've got all these creatures. And also, they've got no way of giving it haste that I Mm. can see. You know, am I going to win on my next turn? If the answer to that is yes, then like, I'm going, I don't care. Save your response to protect yourself. It's a 9-9. Nine, nine. Like, yeah. I can deal with that. That's totally fine. Yeah. And wait for the thing that really matters to you. And yeah, like, I think I think beginner players don't keep track of 
who's in the lead as yeah. well. Because like live totals don't always indicate the lead. No. Yeah. I I think it's about board state. It's like cards in hand. Look, I, I is think the we, deck doing what it wants to do? Is it synergizing with itself? Yeah. Is another good indicator. Have, has someone tutored like something into yeah. their hand? That's always going to be in, an indicator that someone's likely to combo off. Yeah. I think generally having a vague idea of which commanders are like just super combo potentially is a good idea you... and also just understanding what your opponent's decks do in yeah, general yeah, like definitely we've, we've talked about the rule zero conversation but as like a new player really try and grasp what the deck's trying to do yeah so that way if you see it doing what it's trying to do you, you know. know that they're going to be in a position where they're going to try and win so yeah, they might be in the lead. yeah yeah so like obviously this is why instant speed is probably the best way of responding yeah because in general you, you yeah. can wait and respond at the right time mm. so like yeah for example if it's if they've got lethal on board if you've got an instant speed board wipe that's probably a better one to have because a sorcery speed board wipe has to be done on your turn you blow them up but if you've got an instant speed board wipe maybe you wait until they declare attackers mm. see if it's lethal on you then if it's lethal on one of your opponents you go hmm i might let that go let them die and then i'll keep this in my hand for later yeah. i actually it's funnily enough this, it's funny how life just throws this at you. I was on um, the EDH subreddit the other day, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was a beginner player was asking for advice, or maybe it was just like a general advice thread or something. And someone said something really interesting, and I think it's just a really good way of distilling like basically this message. But someone was teaching someone else how to play magic, and they said, if you have a response, you should do it as late as you possibly can. Yeah. And I think it's just a really good general rule, right? That's actually a really very great sentence to summarize what I was saying for about five minutes there. Right? It's it's basically (laughs) the thing that you're trying to say, right? If If it's instant speed, especially, like... Is there, you know, like as late as you possibly can, especially mm. in a four-player pod, like you don't know if it might feel someone, scary. Yeah, and you don't know if like moving to combat is going to make someone cast sudden spoiling, yeah. and then it's like, wow, well, I was going to remove something, but now that that's been cast, I don't have to worry about it. Like, and I, I do think it's, I don't think it's always best to wait as long as possible. I don't think that's what it's saying. It's saying wait as long as you possibly can. Yes. So it's also about like being like, oh, like someone's tapped out right now. They won't be on their turn. Do I really need to resolve this spell? Yeah, now's the time to cast it because now is as late as I possibly can because if I wait later, it might get countered and that's worse. So it's, 100%. Yeah. It's, so in general, make it as late as possible, but not too late also. <laughs> that's really... I genuinely, like, you know, when we, when we were talking about this, this, this episode and when the Space Commanders gave us the insight, I was mm. really prepared for very deep, long conversations and we've gone through for an hour and a half already. Yeah. But that sentence... That single sentence of leave your responses for as long as you possibly can and right at the exact moment when it's it's either life or death or like it's about to happen or not, mm. that's when you use it. Yeah. And I think that like this is why instant speed, I love it. Like yes. if, if a card has like let I mean, realistically, if you just look, I bet if you did a big database of Magic the Gathering cards and how much they cost, the most expensive cards, I'm gonna assume there's a good portion of them that are instant speed or flash. So you mean expensive as in mana value? Money. Like oh. how, how expensive, like money oh, value. Oh, interesting. If you were just like, look, the most expensive cards. Yeah. Because uh, like you think about like some counter spells, man, like Force yeah. of Will. Force of Will is like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like, definitely. I think the reason and because is because instant speed is the objectively best way to play magic because yeah. it means you can do everything you want. Yeah. And, and I think like, I think that Wizards knows this. Yes, because 100%. when they design cards, like... There is a mana value they will assign to something if it's sorcery speed and if it's instant speed. Like, 
there were sets. I remember um, uh, Strixhaven, right? This is like more limited and less yeah. so Commander, but like I, th- I find it really interesting looking at a limited set and seeing how much they um, cost instant speed creature removal mm. because it will tell you a lot about what kind of set you've got. Because if the instant speed creature mm. removal is really low mana value, it means that like the creatures are not that important, right? Because they don't want you to be able to remove everything. Like if they mm-hmm. if they made a set and all the creatures were like the best parts and the most fun part of the set, yeah. and then when you're drafting, everyone's got a response, like an instant speed response, that'd be a pretty terrible experience. Right? Yeah, you got a good point. So like in Strixhaven, mm. there were all like there were not a lot of creatures, but the creatures were really important. So like the best removal spell was Rise of Exodus, which was four hybrid um Ozov mana hybrid ores of mana so six mana value instant speed exile target creature learn and that that was the learn oh, mechanic. that's terrible yeah like in <laughs> general like compared to the commander rate that yeah. we get that's so bad but it's because the set was more about other stuff like and yeah. so you didn't need to respond to creatures and if you did they actually didn't want you to be able to do it really really easily that's a really good point and like i think that again it's it's seen in other spaces in magic the gathering that Wizards are so aware that instant spe- instant speed is the way to play magic because mm. it, like we've been talking a lot about putting spells on the stack to respond, but activating abilities is a way to respond. Yeah. Some cards say activate this only as a sorcery. They do, especially these days. They're doing that a lot more. Yeah, I've noticed. because if you could do that at instant speed and respond to something, it'd be yeah. broken. And they know that. <laughs> yeah, and and they know that. So I think that instant speed is definitely the objectively best way to play magic. Yeah. So this is why my next tip for instant speed players: mm. mana sinks. That is a brilliant way. To make sure you can get value, if you're holding up a bunch of mana for instant speed interaction, and at the end of the turn rotation you're like, well, I didn't need to respond to anything, I've just wasted an entire turn cycle, I could have progressed my board state. Here's this Helix Pinnacle. Here's a Helix Pinnacle. Here's a, um, uh, the Tower of Eons is one of my favourites in Liesa. It's based, I think it's pay, it's something stupid, it's like pay 8 and tap it and you gain 10 life. Oh, but, yeah. Man, I, I feel good tapping, tapping that at the end of the turn. <laughs> if I had like an instant speed, a bunch of instant speed interaction, which by the way, in my Liesa deck, Orzov, I now... Do have counter spells in oh one black God, of course you do. That, that are there, so I, lo- I love playing on the stack and responding. So yeah. it's good for me to have those instants, that those abilities to sink my mana and resources into it at the end of the turn before my turn, so I can still get some kind of value before instead of responding. Because mm. sometimes, like yeah, a counter spell you can't put onto the stack unless you've got a target. Yeah. So you you literally can't use it in any other way mm. other than countering a spell. So if you're not going to use it, it's a waste. Here's this way you can spin all this mana anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So can yeah. I actually like we're already on a deep dive anyway. I'm going to throw back to to limited again. Okay. Um, talk about Sam Black, who's the I think I've talked We've about definitely before on the podcast. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has an amazing um podcast called Drafting Archetypes. Basically, just loves limited. Talks a lot about limited. And he had a really interesting point once where he was talking about sets where counter spells were good. And he was basically mm. being like, a lot of the time people end up drafting these archetypes that have lots of counter spells in them because they think it'll work in a set and it doesn't. And he said the sets where counter spells work really good are ones where there are instant speed mana sinks and creatures with flash. Because you always want to have the ability to, yeah. if you don't use a counter spell, oh, so... do something else. And it, just, it's, it distilled it so in such a small way, but yeah. I was like, oh my god. Because I was thinking about um, the set that we were, he was talking about at the time, I think was Midnight Hunt. 
and there was this really strong blue-white spirits, like, disturb deck. Yeah. And it just ran, like, every counterspell you it's could get your hands powerful. on. It's super powerful. I drafted that set yeah, at the time. I, I did I it draft, once, yeah. and I, to, to be honest, I knew I'd, like, learned how to draft half decently because... Malevolent Hermit is such a good card, oh, I'm just saying. So good, yeah. so good. But I was, I was at a table, and someone else was drafting blue-white, and um, they got all the good rares... And I beat them in the matchup when I played them with the commons because I I knew the, the set uh, better. I was so proud of myself. Well done. <laughs> I'm proud of you as well. Yeah. So like I I genuinely think that like so, no before I move on I want to I want to highlight this again because because we're commander players we've yes. got access to every, every set yeah. and like every single set comes out so we're looking at cards in isolation on their own but also in the context of every other magic card Mm. so when you look at a card maybe as a side piece of advice look at what set it comes from is it a set where that card is actually really really good or is it from a set where that card's only good because of the set right totally i think that's definitely a trap that new players fall into as they go like oh this card is so good in the pre-release yeah i played in the pre-release and you know daniel obliterated me with this card it must be amazing but commander exists within the context of every card ever basically yeah so you gotta wait against every card ever and look, I, I think you can also kind of go almost the other way, though. And like I was talking before about what made Counterspells good yeah. was that in this particular set, there was Flash, Flash. and there was Instant Speed Mana Sinks. So if you really want to build a Counterspell-y kind of deck or Find a response-based deck, or build your deck that way. Like, yeah. You're playing Commander. You have access to every card ever. So if you want to be able to respond... Chuck a bunch of, of mana sinks in there, like yep. you're saying, and chuck a bunch of creatures with flash in there. And generally and... you'll find them in those sets where they're good and limited. Exactly. And yeah. look, okay, so uh, we've talked about counter spells a little bit. Yes. I'm going to give you an option to have a quick masterclass with me. Oh. Um, is, about this, can- is, is this paid? There is a ticket fee that I'll collect from you after we stop recording. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's don't worry. It's just small hundred and fifty dollars. It's a masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> so what what I'm saying is I'm gonna let you go through like maybe a couple of like quick questions that you might have about counter spells. Okay. And I'll rattle them off. Consider this like a podcast within a podcast. Okay. And okay. I just I just because I'm curious because I know you really don't like counter spells. Okay. Like and I want to see what kind of th- interesting things you want to know from someone that does play counter spells to me. So oh, have you got any questions? Okay, interesting. Um hmm. Okay, I've got one that I think I know the answer to. Okay. But I want to hear your thoughts anyway. Go on. If someone's casting a tutor uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do okay. you counter the tutor spell, like demonic tutor, for instance? Yep. Do you count counter demonic tutor, or do you wait and you counter the thing that they tutor for? Great question. I'm actually going to refer you back to something you said earlier. Yeah. Late as possible. Oh. Try, try and counter the thing they tutor for. In some very specific situations, you might want to counter the tutor. The tutor. And I'm thinking of like, okay, for example, Yuriko. There's yeah. a ninja trigger on the stack. The Yuriko player casts Vampiric Tutor. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. That's in a different that context, situation. that tutor is backbreaking. Different yeah. situation, because they're putting Draco on top of their library. <laughs> but if you are countering the tutor, you're just basically going one for one with them. If you counter what they're tutoring for, you're going two for one with them. They've spent two cards, oh. a bunch more mana, and you're getting rid of the actual threat. Totally. I yeah. think the other thing to consider is that, like, we can see that when they cast the tutor, you can see the tutor, and sometimes you can see the card they tutor, but you can't see the rest of their hand. Mm-mm. Whereas if you wait for the thing they cast after the tutor, 
that's more likely to be the thing that's really Especially if it's like a DT. Like if it's a Dominic yeah. tutor and it's going straight to their hand, they're usually going to want to play at that turn. And really good players are probably going to bait that tutor. Like that mm. tutor is like thrown out there as being like, hey, do you want to counter this? And they, on, do it, in do their it. hand, they might have the win con already. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Good quick fire. Um, okay. If we're playing a lot of counter spells. Mm. Like handful, handful. Yeah, yeah. Handful. So like your Niv Mizzet deck, for instance. Usually five at least. <laughs> yes. Is there like, do you, again, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious to hear what you mm-hmm. say. Is there an order you play your counter spells in? A hundred percent. You're prioritizing certain counter spells over others. Yes. Okay. 100%. How so, so? So I always say use resources first when countering. So right. if you've got a spell, for example, that... Um, I'm go- these two spells are really, really good examples of this. Rewind and unwind. Right. Counter target spell, non-creature spell with... I can't remember which one's which. But then after you spend the mana, if the spell resolves, you actually untap lands equal to the amount of mana that was used to spend it. So, yes. Or like, you, you can gain mana if you do some weird stuff. If you usually, untap a bounce land or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's like one of them's three mana, untaps yeah. three lands. The other one's four mana, yeah. untaps four lands. But yeah. let's say we've got a handful of counter spells and that's one of them. But sure. then we've got a force of will also in our hand that's free. Right. So that force of will is a last resort for you on the stack. Right. Because if you get the spell unwind resolved, you're going to untap three lands. And that's unlocked another counter spell uh, in your hand. Yes, because you might have another counter spell. It might right. be Arcane Denial or counter spell itself. Yeah, yeah. And now you've got it again, so you can use those resources again for that counter spell. Right. But if they then go to go, okay, no, I'll counter your unwind, you can go, right, I'll counter the unwind with my force of will in this battle right to then make sure my rewind resolves to untap to use those resources oh, okay. do you see that right. and then, it's like sequencing that's happening yeah, here. yeah. And another one that i always save till the very very end and you'll understand why flusterstorm yes so for those who don't know um this is a this is very much a cdh only card in fact i would explicitly tell you right now if you're playing regular commander do not play this card i'm gonna go ahead and say it don't play it it's It's not worth it. it's actually pretty bad in in a casual game (laughs) it's pretty bad but in cdh so it's basically it's a it's one blue right one blue it's an instant speed spell it just says counter target spell unless it's creature spell i believe okay unless it's controller pays one storm storm is the big thing about this yes. so i'm not sure if you've noticed but like counter spells can end up in a counter spell war yes and i've Where ended four, up four five six counter spells get cast in a row so 90 percent of the time when you've got a counter spell war like that the card that ends it is going to be flusterstorm right because so, there's going to be six seven spells cast before yeah. it on the stack so the way storm works you make a copy of the spell for each spell cast before that spell is turned. Correct. So if there's if you, there's been seven counter spells cast, you're getting seven fluster storms. Right. And so and also people have spent all their mana. Correct. So there they're not going to be able to pay that seven or whatever. And it is. now this is the other thing with fluster storm that people don't think about is each of those fluster storms can actually target a different spell on the stack. Oh. So say someone's say you're trying to counter a creature that someone's cast. Right. And the first let's say Doxide Extortionist. Doxide Extortionist is a good example. So yeah. you cast Unwind as the first one. Sure. Then they counter that. Yes. And then you end up in this counter spell war where you're just countering the last counter on the stack. Sure. What you could do with um, the Flusterstorm yeah. is you can counter the Doxide Extortionist with it all and then leave one Flusterstorm to counter the counter that was countering your Unwind. So, so you untap the land. There you go. 
Oh my god. Okay, this is some advanced stuff. I feel like our podcast is normally beginner <laughs> stuff, but if you ever want to know the deep dive on counter spells, let us know if you want more counterspell tips. James has got it all, it seems like. We'd happily do a deep dive. Like uh, oh. like a couple of quick other like hot yeah, tips. For sure. Free counter spells. Yeah. The best place to use them is when you're protecting something that you're doing, not when you're interacting with someone else. Because ah. you're trying to use your resources as efficiently and effectively on your turn to win. Right. Not when you're interacting yeah. with someone else. I think I think one that I see probably misused in again when I because I watch a lot of CDH is Pact of Negation. Yep. Generally you want to be using Pact of Negation on to your win. turn. Yeah. You want to be winning like, that turn. That's that's your last counter spell, yeah. right? It's like it's like Fluster Storm. It's like I'm gonna win on this turn. I don't even care about paying five. It's just like I I do all these things, counter spell, counter spell, counter spell. Packed at the end, you know. I don't to protect the card. Yep, I'm probably going to win right now anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And this is the thing with packed negation as well. If you're doing it to interact with opponents, they're going to retaliate. Right. And I have died to no less than three Pact of Negation triggers on my upkeep. Wow. Because a lot of the time they'll see that, you know, that, like, let's say you use Pact of Negation to counter the first thing that they do that turn. Right. Then they respond to that by going, hmm, okay. I'll blow up your soul ring so you don't have enough mana to pay for the pact on your upkeep or play stasis so you just can't untap and do anything it's just like it's kind of handing your opponent a win con there it really is like look remove enough mana and this person loses and the last tip that i want to give for counter spells sure remember what they actually counter it is so embarrassing going all right i'll force of negation that and someone goes sorry that's only non-creature uh, it's swan yeah. song swan song as well it's only Instant artifacts sorceries enchantments I yeah think. yeah you can't hit creatures can't or an, hit can't artifacts. artifacts i don't think yeah it's a weird one and it's one of those really awkward things as a counter spell player when you're like i want to be the clever person in the room that knows everything yeah and you're accidentally not able to do it <laughs> <laughs> and you have to put it back in your hand and you're it's a, really like oh i'm sorry you're, didn't. you're a gruel player instead yeah <laughs> oh my lord oh okay well right counter spells Definitely a way to respond. But look, we've now spent an hour and 45 minutes yeah. talking about responses. So look, to, to summarize, we've understood what responding is. Yes. In its... we, we spent a lot of time talking yes. about the different cards that do it, different ways you can do yeah. it, the synergies. Yeah, we yeah. definitely definitely talked about and that. And we've talked about all those cards in terms of like a toolbox to help your decks allow to respond. Yes. And we've looked at a couple of examples of how to interact with opponent's activities, whether it's on the stack, whether it's holding back and waiting yep. is a really important way, or whether it's using our communication skills to get a little bit more out of. This episode, honestly, could probably be revisited it, it is I, huge comfortably i yeah i'm not shocked it went this long <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be honest i think it's just the kind of thing where like look i mean it, i understand it's so much of how you play but i think it's just also so much of commander the format right it's also so much of just magic yeah i mean look we didn't even think about it like it, i'm gonna go ahead and say it wasn't in the plan to talk about limited but we mentioned limited like three times yeah because exactly. yeah like responding is such an important way yeah. and let's be fair the space commander said know when to respond and when to hold back yes it's a lot of things to talk about yeah there. Space commanders, give us give us some more specific commanders. Try and time. narrow it down. Maybe like like when to counter spell. I could talk about. I mean, to be fair, if you to ask me of when to counter spell, it'd probably be another two hour episode. No, that's true. So. I I want the space commanders to tell us to hug one another. Yeah, I th- yeah. Space commanders, 
That's that's our request. That's next week. We'd like to log on. They're and not see, to see the mail. It's not going to happen. No, it's probably going to be like know when to use mass land destruction or something like that. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Oh God, please no, space, no please space commanders, don't do that. Oh, nice. Oh, that was great. That was lots of fun to talk about all that stuff. It's um, it's oh God. Yeah, as you say. We could talk about it forever, right? It, yeah, my, it just could keep on going. It's a big one. Uh, it's great like that. And um, yeah, for the listeners, when was the last time you were ready with a perfect response? Have you ever been caught without a response? Did you use it too early? Did you not wait like the space command to has told you to? To the latest point. Yes, yes. And did you not know when to wait? Uh, and is there another way that you think you can respond that we hadn't haven't covered? Something that um, yeah. Yeah, like a, an interesting rules interaction talk, yeah. or, you know, like a way that you respond in the game that you think helps. Because we know? talked a lot about like uh, active, uh, sorry, like um, removal. We talked about counter spells, mm. activated abilities. Yeah, we act- instant speed we activated abilities. Briefly good- touched on them, but yeah. yeah, there's there's so much room mm, yeah. for that stuff. Mm, I've, yeah. I've also always wanted to build a flash deck. Like a deck that's just all about flash. I think there's a there's a really cool mono green commander that gives oh, all green creatures flash. Yes, um, I want to see you Yeva, build acidic slime, reclamation sage, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's getting to the point now where I've got so many commander decks where it's like, okay, I want to build this deck, and then it's like like that deck for instance, the flash deck, and then yeah. it's like it's flicker. Oh my god, it totally is. I've got a Celestia Flicker deck. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. It's, it's just, just creatures green. with the end of the battlefield effects. There's a Panharmonicon in there. Like, it's the You're same. You're so right. You're so right. This is the problem. I've got too many yeah. decks now. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, look, we're, we're slowly coming up. Well, we're quickly coming up on nearly a two-hour episode yeah, here. Yeah, but we so, should cover play, play of the week, right? Definitely. We always do it. And my, play, got one? my yeah. play of the week actually comes from this afternoon. Oh, cool. This wow, afternoon. a recent one. So, yeah, sure. for our community, um, it was one of our committee members' birthdays today. Oh, it was Jordan. Happy birthday, happy birthday Jordan. Jordan. So, when this episode comes out, you it's guys will be no able no longer to... Jordan's birthday. <laughs> and they'll be able to figure out when we recorded it. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. We'll also probably get, I apologize, Jordan, for all the belated birthdays you're going to get. <laughs> a bunch of people migrate across from the podcast and say, hey, Jordan. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And Jordan's like, that was... Okay. Like two weeks ago. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> but it comes from this afternoon. So right, I got cool. a text message from Jordan on Friday saying, hey, it's my birthday on Sunday. I'd love to be able to like hang out with a couple of people. And I've actually just bought the brand new Baldur's Gate, Battle for Baldur's Gate, Commander oh, Legends the, 2. The Commander Legends 2, and yeah. It literally cool. just came out this weekend. Wow, so awesome. I was I was pretty excited to be like, yeah, are we drafting this? I've Let's do it. I've been to play this forever, yeah. So look, the, the player isn't such a technical one, but the game was really fun. I'll give you a breakdown. We did, uh, like the Commander Legends draft I did with Stella, Theo, and Jem, right. it's a six-pack draft. Right. But instead of building a 100-card deck, we built a 60-card Commander deck. Oh. They were powerful yeah like i i built mahadi which is the rakdos sacrifice deck where it's basically at the end of your turn you make a bunch of treasure tokens equal to the amount of creatures that died on your turn whoa yeah it's so busted and it's three mana for a three three it comes out early so good i'm actually going to give the technical play of the week to myself because this is what i did on (laughs) okay this is what i did on turn four right sure i had a creature with myriad on field oh this is the when it attacks for each other opponent you make a token that's attacking Mm -hmm. the other opponents right so if i'm attacking you that's usually the me nick and me you nick and ellie game again if i'm attacking you 
I make it with my uh, Apex Devastator, I make a token that's attacking Ellie yes. and one that's attacking me. Yes. Yeah. So cool. this creature had Myriad and it's basically just a 1-3. Um, it's got basically fire breathing for all creatures that are called the same. It's a cool little card. Yeah. But this is this is the technical play of the week win, right? Turn four, I've got my hardy down, I've got this creature down. Now, I've got this creature down, I've got a free attack. So I'm like, amazing. I'll go swing the original copy at the free attack where it's going to be unblocked and it's going to stay on the board. And then you get... Myriad triggers, I get two token copies. Cool. I think I was swinging at Brannon and the Myriad copies were swinging at Jordan and Ellie. Cool. So, I then have four mana available. Guess who has two deadly disputes in their hand? <gasps> yes, you instantly know what I'm doing. So <gasps> I, I use Deadly Dispute, which is as an additional cost, sacrifice a creature. You draw two cards and create a treasure token. I do that twice because in Commander Draft, you can have multiple copies of the yes, same card. Yes, you can. I sacrifice the two myriad tokens. I create two treasures, draw four cards. The beginning of my end step, I create two more treasures because two creatures died on my turn. Oh, that's disgusting. Turn four, I draw four cards deep and ramp four. That's wild. Those, the disputes were free. Yes, they completely paid for themselves. And oh, this is the busted thing about treasures. It's like they, it, on that turn, they paid for themselves. But if you didn't use them and got to your next turn, they... It's almost better, right? And I didn't use that. The next turn, I slammed like a six drop. Oh, and on turn, like I slammed a busted. six drop and something else on turn five. Wow. It was So technical play of the week, there you go. But the actual play of the week goes to Jordan, the birthday boy himself. Because right. as a little fun prize supported draft. Okay. And I've got this. I'll actually show you it after oh, the podcast. Sure. Yeah. Um, he provided a prize support. Now, if you've played against Jordan, he has a pet card. Everyone's got a pet uh, card. I know is we always say it like that actually we first said it like that a couple of times and now the joke is, is just to say well now the joke is just to say a sound that sounds like that so if you're ever playing with us in store and you hear that noise that's what it means yes jordan loves that card and it's every fantastic card it recurs it recurs a creature it gives all creatures lifelink yeah it's also an artifact enchantment so it's like it's kind of awkward to remove so many things as well and it's, it's, it's hard to hit it's hard to respond to too yeah um anyway it's a great card now jordan provided us with a whip of erebos but he also signed it so i oh. now have a signed copy because i i didn't win unfortunately right. jordan actually funnily enough won the game oh. um but so i came he gave himself a signed whip of erebos well i was so close to killing him it was a 1v1 right at the end right and he thought it would be better in my possession because oh, okay. i now so i now have a signed copy of whip of erebos by oh. jordan and i love that i think yeah. that's so cool i'm gonna put it in my scarab god deck where i want run whip of erebos oh, nice. so i'm gonna have a signed copy from one of our community members uh, that's really and fun. the reason why i mention this is as a play of the week suggestion to the listeners custom cards and special cards and pet cards and stuff by giving them to your friends and stuff like that it makes it so special it like does. i have i have um an arcanus the omnipotent that i refuse to part with that you gave me oh, ages ago and it's it, it, you put it in you originally said this is for your niv mizzet deck because it draws you tap it and draw three cards it's, yeah. it's pretty good yeah. niv mizzet gets three ping triggers now niv mizzet doesn't run it because it's too slow and all that 
But it's been in my binder and a couple of people have been like, can I have it? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm keeping that card. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. So like for the listeners, go out and make connections with cards with your friends. It's really yeah. special when that kind of stuff happens. So for that's sure. my play of the week. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and, and add another question to the listeners, which is, do you have any pet cards? And yeah. if you do, I'd love to see a photo of them. So comment on the YouTube video, comment on the SoundCloud. Uh, I don't know if you can share a a photo on the SoundCloud, but comment somewhere. Regardless, on our on our community page. Yeah, show yeah. us show us a photo. Yeah. Tell us about the card. I I want to hear about them. I, yeah. I think they're sweet as well. I agree. I bet your pet card is. I've got so many. <laughs> I, I can I can name one of them, and it's the diligent farmhand. Do you remember oh, that card? Oh, everyone looks at that card I and goes, that "That's card. a pet card." Isn't I it? love that card. It's oh. objectively not good, but oh, I don't know. I, I actually Marin think it's is that not bad. bad. But it's it also the copy of it is objectively not good. <laughs> it's very beaten up. It's got it's like white. It's from your childhood. That's, it's, it's from my yeah. childhood, yeah. and I can't I can't take it out. Every, every time people see it, they're like. Sometimes people are like, oh, it's all beat up. But most of the time, people know pet cards well enough that they go, ah, oh, that's got a story that's behind cute. it, doesn't that's it? That's cute. Yeah. My yeah, pet cool. card, curiosity. <laughs> Get out Just of a town. good card. All right, look, this is two hours. We've got one more sheet to throw. Let's do Let's it. Throw it. Hey! Oh, oh my god. god! I almost cut James' oh, face open. My god. All right, on that note, um, don't cut up your friends. Okay, see you later. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.